Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everyone thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And we are live on tape from Lapland because we are retired to the holiday Christmas cottage uh, for Nothing Is Real. And throw another disappointment box on the fire. I think it's time to look at 2022 and see what happened. A good year to be a Beatles fan, Stephen? It was a quiet year to be a Beatles fan, I think. It, it did seem relatively quiet. Normally I say every year is a good year to be a Beatles fan. But surprisingly, putting this list together or having a thought about what 2022 meant, there wasn't quite as much in it as, as there seemed to be last year. Um, maybe last year we were spoiled because as we'll keep seeing it's you know last year was all Peter Jackson and let it be and get back and all the rest but 2022 I mean there was, there was stuff but a bit sort of you know ephemeral in a way I think we I think we were built up our expectations were built up at the end of 2022 and uh, we were all keyed up for you know getting to rewatch get back in real time uh, yep. we were keyed up for the blu-ray with all the extras that were coming it was going to be great. How did, how did that work out? <laughs> yes, there's going to be a recurrent theme of, I thought X was going to happen and then Y happens, I yeah. think, a little bit. Yes. Um, but yes, 2022, uh, this is our fourth annual review. And what's interesting, having done four of them now, is to try and see certain patterns that emerge, um, things that we think are going to happen that don't happen, things that kind of happen in the wrong order. But we'll cross all of that as we, as we get to the, um, as we get through it. Um, let's... You know, if if we are looking at it, I mean, I, I think 2022, for me, January, we were still very much in the, the Get Back world. Me, personally, I spent January watching, re-watching Get Back on each individual day that the things happened, which is a different uh, type of experience, and I think I'll do it again next January. I might do it. I might do it this January coming. I didn't do yeah. it last January because I just couldn't. I, I I just yeah, I just I just couldn't. But I, I I spent most of January last year just dipping in and out because uh, I knew my Disney Plus subscription was running out fast. All oh, right, so you you haven't watched all the Marvel shows yet? You haven't no, dialed into no, Miss Marvel? No. no. Okay, fair no. enough. Miss Marvel is this Miss Marvel? Miss Marvel is a thing. I I would say She Hulk is the um, is the uh, dark horse. She Hulk's a great show. Anyway, uh, this isn't the Marvel review. Um, yeah, the, the, but January was still very, even though I was kind of watching it day by day, it was still very get back heavy. There was get back was in the air. Yes. And what was really striking, because I, I went back to check the date of this, was that it was right at the start of the year on the 6th of January that they announced the Blu-ray. And the Blu-ray was supposed to come out 
on uh, the 28th of February. That was the original plan, the original date. And this so begins the ballad of the disappointing Get Back Blu-ray. Yes, yes. It, it was a shambles, I think, is the word I would use. Uh, you know, it was coming, it wasn't coming. There was a campaign, a grassroots campaign, uh, <laughs> led by other podcasts to... Uh, get extras as if Disney were going to listen to any Beatles podcast. But uh, it was very strange. Well, anyone who was listening would have noticed that even Peter Jackson couldn't get what he wanted. Even Peter Jackson was saying, hey, people should write to Disney. Hey, I've got loads more hours of this stuff. And in retrospect, I think we were all kind of swept along going, this is great fun and all the rest. But in retrospect, it's like, oh, here's a an Oscar-winning director who is telling people, oh, you know what, the only way this is going to happen is if some kind of external force, i.e. the fans, shakes it up. And Peter Jackson is someone who's very responsive to fans. He kind of knows this notion of, you know, I don't particularly like the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit films, but they're very much, uh, you know, he knows what fans want, gives them extras, you know, plugs things in, and he's not getting it done. And he's kind of saying, you guys are going to have to fight for this yourselves, which is an odd thing. It was very odd, and it was never going to happen. Um, yeah, I think what annoyed me is that there is so much extra stuff that is clearly available. You know, there was mm. there was a, a review recently by uh, Greil Marcus uh, of the original Get Back of Jackson's Get Back, and um, he said this is just full of little tasters and that things that could have been. So mm. you get you get parts of songs, you get uh, you know. George singing Mama You've Been On My Mind and then it just cuts away from that and it was just it was yeah. giving you a little window into what was available and as I was watching it originally in December I was absolutely 100% sure there were going to be extras one because you could see where the extras would come from and two because as you say it was Peter Jackson who who is yeah. you know Lord of the Extras He is Lord of the Extras yeah and I did wonder whether you know, uh, there was a lot of talk about the rooftop concert, and we'll talk about that in a sec, that, oh, you know, Disney had control in keeping that out of the Let It Be box, which I've always taken with a pinch of salt. But I would wonder whether Disney had control with saying there will be no extras on this Blu-ray because it would stop people. It would be a different thing to what's on Disney+. Plus. That, to me, might be more understandable. Because, obviously, if they announced it on the 6th of January, you know, it was being planned back in, you know, Thanksgiving 2021 when you know, Get Back came out on streaming originally. So it wasn't that they suddenly decided, you know, that there obviously was a, a plan, a vague plan to get this to happen if it was being announced on January the 6th for a February the 28th release. But then it doesn't happen. So was it rushed? Was it not rushed? We don't really know. Were, were they seriously contemplating putting extras on at some point? You know, you know were, they, yeah. were they tinkering yeah. with the idea? And I think that the delay did raise the hope that... Uh, Oh, they 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 paid attention to the fans. They paid attention to Peter Jackson. They're going to re rejig this, and there was just a vacuum. There was there was no information. Uh, people are relying on Amazon delivery dates for their information. You know, it's coming. It's not coming. Yeah. It it it's back to that idea that there was just no synchronization between the Let It Be book or the Get Back book, the Get Back streaming, the Get Back Blu-ray. It was a complete shambles of a campaign. Um, it certainly, I, I thought we were going to see 
um, I, 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 first of all, I was surprised when it was announced on in January. I was surprised that there was no extras on it. I really thought there was going to be a, a longer window of streaming exclusivity. And then, you know, maybe November this year for Christmas, they would say, OK, well, do you remember mm. that thing a year ago and it's all died down? Here we go. We're bringing it back. Blu-rays, an extra two hours, blah, blah, blah. I'm no marketing expert, but that would have seemed to me to have been more sensible. I, I, I think it would have made more sense um, as to whether or not a physical release would impact on streaming. I don't know. Um, you know, you, you would buy the Blu-ray with extras. I would buy the Blu-ray with extras. Most people are just going to, mm. oh, it's still on Disney+, Plus. I'll watch it again. I mean, I haven't bought the Blu-ray. The, the, like, I haven't bought a physical copy of this. In my local record store, it seems nailed to the shelves. I don't know what anyone else's experience was. Do, do well, you have it? I, I did buy it, and it's sitting downstairs beside the TV, still in the shrink wrap. But I will be watching, I will be watching it. I will be watching it in uh, January. I, I, I do feel it's long enough away that I want to go back to it and have, an, have another look again. But it does add to this general, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory that tends to hang around this project where, yeah. you know, no matter how well it's going, something kind of goes goes wrong. And, and so that Blu-ray uh, gets bumped into March and then it gets bumped into July and eventually it comes out during the summer. And by that point... When it does come out, there is no announcement about it, really. It's, it's, it seems to just sort of slink onto the shelves. And again, I would have thought a, a Christmas 2022 push would have been much more useful. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. But then there's this other get back stuff that happens in January. So there's this announcement that there's going to be a 30th of January IMAX Live Peter Jackson event, which we had uh, our good friend William Hinson attend and tell us what that was like. Uh, and then a, a rollout in theatres in February uh, of just this uh, this rooftop gig. And then a surprise issue uh, before all of that on the 28th of January of the rooftop gig itself. Again, on streaming, nothing physical. This is crazy. Yes, I think it does support the notion that uh, Apple are in league with the streaming services that you know that there, there is there is a <laughs> there is a sense of pushing people towards streaming. Uh, personally, mm. I, I, I like my uh, vinyl version of the Get Back rooftop gig. And uh, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I'm assuming this is not entirely legit. Well, I don't know. It's just um, a very good friend of the show, Dave, <laughs> just uh, produced a copy and I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to look a gift Dave in the mouth. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's very it's, nice. I'm, I'm assuming it sounds fine. Yeah, it's, it sounds, uh, abso- b- sounds absolutely fine. Yeah, presumably it's just it's just ripped from streaming services. <laughs> well, the, the technology is pretty straightforward. If you want to get a rip from a streaming service, they they don't make it easy, but it's very very doable. Uh, and just yeah, just run a, a pressing of the the digital stream. So, um, again, I think that's money left on the table. First of all, that it wasn't in the box set, or second of all, that they just didn't give it a standalone release. Yeah. It, it, it makes no sense. No sense. Every, no, I think you said in one of the earlier shows, you know, Let It Be is the project that's just cursed. And I think, yeah, I think totally. the curse of Let It Be is still alive and well. And, and you know, it, it does show that the, the rooftop gig was obviously mixed and ready to go. It was hanging around. And so it's not like they suddenly decided in December to do this no. as a quick job. So whether this was part of the general plan back in, you know, the start of 2021, oh, we'll put out the rooftop gig in January, uh, was strange. Um, I didn't see the IMAX with Peter Jackson because it didn't come to town, but I did see it in, in when it had a regular run. You saw the, the rooftop gig in IMAX. I did. It didn't come to Dublin. 
Oh, it did come to Dublin. I saw it. I just said that the thirtieth with Peter oh, Jackson 30th. didn't come to Dublin. All oh, right, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, I, 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 I didn't see that, but um, I, I did go to see it in Belfast. It's one of the Belfast is usually not on anybody's list to show any of these things, and um, <laughs> but the IMAX did, and it was very good, and it was very impressive, and seeing them all, you know, forty feet high on the roof, excellent stuff. Yeah, and uh, best of all, you know, there was a little mini nothing is real mingle in the foyer. Afterwards. Uh, oh, was, really? That was, yeah. That was I, I didn't. I was wearing my Nothing Is Real hat and still nobody talked to me. That's probably why nobody talked to me. I was going to say, um, I, I, I did not wear a Nothing Is Real anything. And uh, people came yeah. up and said hello and you, you, gave, showered me with you, gifts. Really? Yeah. My yeah, gosh. I, you're, 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 your face is your ticket. This is, I feel. Um, yeah, I'm living my best life, <laughs> which, is, which is depressing. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to admit now that the, I, I was wondering going into the thing, uh, although William had kind of disavowed us of this, whether it would be any kind of different edit, but it's pretty much aside from like a title card and it, it has that, uh, um, you know, that kind of recap from the thing. It, it's pretty much the rooftop gig as is. I was wondering would they get rid of the split screen or the Vox Pops and things. Yeah, I hope they would do but that, didn't. But, but no. No, no, no. But still, sound-wise, it was great. Size-wise, it was great. And um, maybe they'll do it again sometime. I would also, and I'm just putting this idea out into the ether, I would sign up for a whole eight-hour showing of the documentary in a cinema. Yeah, yeah. Or you could buy the Blu-ray. Uh, you know. Oh, in a cinema. In a cinema, or yeah. I, like a day long. I could buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, get Back Day. Yeah, I, 31st, 31st January 2023, Get Back Day. That'd be a good idea, yeah. Because there's a there's a cinema down the road I could hire. That's a good idea. And I'll just bring my um, Blu-ray. No, I won't bring anybody. <laughs> just bring my Blu-ray and nothing else. Um, yeah. So that's the get back of uh, that's the aftermath of get back at the which which kind of filled up the start of the year. That that you know January usually when nothing happens. It's the gift that keeps on not giving. Yes, um, but yeah, alarm bells should have rung when Peter Jackson was saying, I can't, I can't get this extra stuff out. You're going to have yeah. to fight for yourselves, Hunger Games style. Um, for the rest of the year, we'll come back to the Beatles later on, but we might look at the um, the individual members themselves. Um, Ringo, you know, ticking over, doing his Ringo stuff. Yeah, go Ringo, EPs, that's the thing. Yeah, um, so he put out EP3 in September, um, this was uh, this was kind of trailed by a single and a video called World Go Round, which was full of studio hijinks. And then a second video, which is quite nice, called Everyone and Everything. Have you seen that video? I have. It's very good. It, it's really pleasant. And he's playing his drums and he's on the beach and he's it's a proper, proper video. He's having, um, he's having a good time. He's living his best life. Well, he's 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 settled into this um, like Ringo turned 82 this year. Uh, on the 7th of the 7th, of course. Peace and love at Peace whatever love. time of day we're, su- we're supposed to do that. Um, and he celebrated his birthday quite publicly. And uh, he's um, he's putting out these EPs and he's messing around in his home studio and he's doing his artworks. I will raise... If I could raise one eyebrow when I'm yeah. talking about Ringo's artworks, I would raise one eyebrow. I mean, it's all a bit um, Microsoft Paint. But um, he's doing it. He's spreading good vibes, and he, you know, he's he seems to be enjoying himself. He's kind of, he's kind of um, submitted to realizing who he is, what he's doing, what he's capable of. He's not trying to get an album into the top ten. He's not releasing multiple coloured vinyl versions of his no. records. He's just ringoing. He's just ringoing, and I think that's right. I think he's settled into that 
role. He's an elder statesman. He he tours his band. He does his EPs. I think it's a good thing that he's doing, uh, putting out EPs rather than a full album. Yeah. Uh, you know the albums have the albums have been coming out in the twenty first century. I think I'm right in saying he's had more new material released than Paul. But uh, mm-hmm. and there are always great songs on those records, but they just tend to be. There's some mediocre songs and a couple of not great songs on the albums, and the good songs get lost. Here, he's just putting out the good stuff, I think. And it, it it's cu- it, it. I see it as a something that's kind of symptomatic of the fact that in the 21st century, it's very cheap to make a record. It's very cheap to make a video. It's very cheap to put it in front of people. Um, and 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 if you look at it that way, you know, he's 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 doing it all in house and. He's he's getting it out there. He's actually benefiting from internet distribution and you know the the, the lowered cost. It's it's not like the record company are going to say here's seven hundred and fifty grand for a single. No, he's doing a lot of it off his own back. Really, he seems to have come to terms or come, got to grips with the technology, and he's using the technology. And I think fair play. Uh, and mm. as you say, he he's not. He doesn't have the ambition to get a number one album, to get a number one single, to have the highest... He doesn't want to headline Glastonbury. But I think he knows that, um, you know, he, he's 82 and it's, you know, it's very rare for an octogenarian to get to the top of the charts unless you're Dylan or McCartney, really, is, is where we're at at this stage. To, to do that, you, you've got to have the money, you've got to have the, the record company behind you, but you, most of all, you've got to have the ambition and I, I don't think he does. No. Um, he does have the ambition to tour. He went back on the road, um, which was cancelled not once but twice by COVID, Ooh. which is a bit... It's a worry. I suppose it's a sign of the times. It, it's a worry. The, the question is whether Ringo will ever hit the road again. I would love to see Ringo one more time. But, you know, we had William on. He talked about the show. I'm not sure... Well, I am sure this is not the best iteration of the All-Star Band. I'm definitely sure it's not the best iteration of the All-Star Band. But I, I would still like to see Ringo one more time. I would like to see Ringo one more time. I don't know whether he will, you know, if he does tour, my hunch is it's going to remain North America. It's not going to be far from Ringo's house. I know he's got houses on this side of the Atlantic, but I don't know if he really works very well when he's not in a, a warm climate anymore. I think... I don't think there's any prospect of him touring the UK. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'd agree. You'd have to go to, you know, he sometimes tour, tours mainland Europe, but uh, I, I think probably that's not going to happen again. And it's quite a small-scale yeah. venture. You know, William was, I want to say William was underwhelmed, but he, I think he was a bit taken aback comparing it with the, the McCartney gig he'd seen the year before yes. in terms of production values and... Ringo's sweatpants, I think, became a feature of that episode. <laughs> but as you say, he's 82. He's 82. Our expectations, I guess, should be modified by that. Um, the other thing I've been reading a lot about this year is the economics of touring. And the reality is that in the post-COVID touring world, costs have escalated. Um, you know, for uh, you know, the, the, the space or the time or the bookings uh, have, have kind of disappeared. Um, I, I read a fascinating article about how they managed to, the, the Cure have recently finished a 42-date uh, European tour and how the promoters had to essentially put together six tours 18 months ago because they didn't know what the lie of the land was and the kick knock-on effects of your booking hotels, your booking vans, your booking drivers. 
And it's very hard if you're someone like Ringo, who I'm going to guess is touring at a push maximum two and a half thousand theater theaters mm, yeah. um, to, to, to get the economics of that, particularly when economically you're, you're, you're used to living in a, a big mansion in California. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. I mean that in a nice way. You're like, why would I bother when I could, you know, I can, I can jot around North America with some buddies, but really, you know, to actually make the other, unless he's willing to underwrite himself, which I, I don't think he would be. So I, I'd agree with you. I don't think Ringo is going to come over here. Um, there was one other release from Ringo towards the end of the year, which was a live record store day. Yes. Album. Help from my friends. That, that was a song that's listed on the back of the album. And I'm like, that's not what it's called. That's not what it's called. That was the first thing I thought when I looked at the back. That's <laughs> what, what is this? What is this song? Is this a new song? Is this? Uh... Must be a new song. You know, it's very, it sounds like a song, but it's not, it can't be because it's not listed as that song. That's no. not what it's called. No, yeah. that's not what it's called. So this was a record store day release. And it's the first time I think an entire concert of Ringo's has been released. So he's put out regularly live albums, but they've been composites from different gigs across each iteration of the band. And this is the first from Soup to Nuts version of... Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't buy this either. I, I think there's going to be a recurring theme in 2022 where I'd be saying, I didn't buy this. Did you buy it? I, I did buy it. And, I, uh, and I opened it and it's not very good. Oh, is it not? The flaws in it are not Ringo's flaws. Uh, you, you know, Colin Hay is in the band, and yeah. he, he just treats everything like a sing-along. So you just get the audience singing. He's encouraging the audience to sing along. And I'm not a Steve Lukather fan, particularly yeah. since he refused to come on to the podcast to do an interview. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, li- I don't like Toto. I don't like that kind of thing. Ringo is fine. You know what you're going to get, and he, he delivers that. But spread across four sides of, I can't even remember whether it's four sides or it might be three sides and one side, like an etching or something. Uh, I think it was released maybe as a Blu-ray or a DVD and uh, probably with, in retrospect, I'd have been better paying 20 quid for that than the vinyl. I mean, it's, it's not like Ringo gigs are like, um, you know, jazz gigs or King Crimson gigs where you're like oh yeah you have to hear the 4th of May version of no. Octopus's Garden no. <laughs> that, that one's wild <laughs> it's a gig I would have I think it's a gig I would have enjoyed if I'd been at it you know yes and um, apparently over the Christmas uh, in a few days time there's going to be a Ringo gig on Sky Arts I think it's on the 28th or something of December so that's nice someone should look forward to one of these 2010-ish, 2015-ish gigs where he's, he's doing an all-star gig. So that's, okay. oh, I'll we, set we, my we, VCR for that. Yeah, we'll do that, yeah. <laughs> Your beta max. They're kind of the main headlines of Ringo's 2022, pretty much. Yeah, touring cancelled yeah. and COVID. That's, you know, that's not much yeah. to look back on for Ringo. Poor Ringo. Um, let's move on to Paul McCartney, which I, I'm kind of looking at this as a relatively quiet year. I've I've looked at what I wrote down at the end of 2021, which was three books, one album remixed, one album remastered, spoken word appearances, six-part TV series, British Library exhibition. So we're coming off the back of lyrics. 2021 was full on. Yep. 2022, relatively quiet for Paul. There was, a, a, I think we said... And when I say we, I mean you, said in the 2021 review, I don't think Paul will play live again. Yes. Um, And he did play live again. Um, uh, uh, So the tour was kind of the first big 2022 thing that he he did, I suppose. Yeah, he did play live again, mostly. 
<laughs> Mostly. <laughs> um, yes, well, yes, we might talk about that in a second. Um, again, our good friend William was at the Paul tour and talked to us about it. And it sounds like the usual crash, bang, wallop, Paul McCartney tour. These this, these were his first gigs um, since pre-pandemic times. And it was, although the, the tour was renamed Paul McCartney's Got Back. See what he did there? Yeah. Um, it, it's business as usual. There's fireworks during Live and Let Die. There's one or two new songs that n- nobody's filming on their phones. Um, you know, there's a, a ton of Beatles stuff. And it's a, it's a very profitable tour from what I've read. His his return per venue is about four million ish, I think, once he once he plays those out. If you, if you look at all the kind of the top tours of the last 10 years, Paul is in the top 15 or thereabouts, but his ratio of gigs to money, you yeah. know, you have someone like Ed Sheeran at the top with 700 million or something ridiculous, but he's played about 500 gigs, whereas Paul is breaking in about 120 million from about four, you know, from about, you know, 14 odd gigs. So he, he, he's got the economics of this absolutely Right, but yeah, there, there's no big surprises on this tour. A six-week jaunt through North America. Yeah, so I suppose the the, the only new thing is the duet uh, with John Lennon. Yes, that was the only yes, the only new thing. I suppose you know he did not spend lockdown woodshedding uh, and working up new set lists and new arrangements. And uh, mm. and I said I'd like to see Ringo. I don't know. That I you know I've seen this Paul McCartney tour four or five times. I think in the last. 10 years and it's it's yeah. it's the same stuff and it would be very interesting it would be i imagine very emotional uh to see him do the duet with john lennon um my sister was at glastonbury she saw it she wasn't expecting it she didn't know it was coming she said it was you know it was an emotional thing it was a very spectacular thing to see but mm. apart from that this is just the same old same old yeah, the, the, the Lennon duet, um, I, I remember following, you know, the after the opening night of the tour, I went online and, you know, to try and see what people were saying and what clips had been shared and all the rest. And yeah, I too was kind of taken aback by the, the Lennon thing for, for a couple of reasons. One is, obviously, he's touring as the de facto Beatles in a way where he's yeah. the, you know, the, 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 the last live avatar for, for this music. Um, Ringo says, I'm over here, guys, but I'm like, no, 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 Paul is. Um, but uh, so, so that's kind of his role. And, you know, although there's general talk amongst fans of, oh, I wish he would do less Beatles stuff or I wish he'd play Ram Live, blah, 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 blah. I, I get it. I, I get it. I understand why he, he does it. Um, but to do something with John um, live, it's, uh, first of all, I was kind of, I was kind of just shocked by it because you forget that, you know, John is essentially the same age as Paul. John should be around. Yeah. It, it suddenly makes the gap between John being here and Paul being here immense. It seems huge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I think that was my reaction as well. You, you, you suddenly thought that should be an 80-year-old John Lennon yeah. coming on at Glastonbury as a surprise guest. You know, that, yeah. that, that should be John Lennon. That shouldn't be. Yeah. And, and there was something very poignant to see the 80-year-old uh, Paul singing with yes. the young, you know, whatever age he was, 29, 30, um, John Lennon. And, and yeah, it was, it, it was very poignant. And I think that would, that, would, that would pack the emotional punch when you first saw it, I think. I, yeah, I think so too. And it's so... 
I, I think it, I think I think he's allowed to do it. I don't think it's cheesy or inappropriate. I think it's very well done. It's very striking. But again, as as a as someone who's of an age where um, you know I was a Beatles fan. I, I was never a Beatles fan when John was alive, just because of my age, and to actually just be reminded once again of what was lost or what they had. You know, I, I do take Paul at face value when he says, you know, this was my friend, this is my life. I can't really, I know I've called Paul before the great compartmentalizer. I can't really imagine how he delivers something like that in front of so many people and for it to come across as sincere and genuine and very, very striking. Yeah, I think it's different from the way he pays tribute to George with his rendition of something, yeah. or it's different from here today. I think he's been doing that for such a long time. You know, I, you know, I saw him do that 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. And he's just doing exactly the same thing. Uh, but this was a new twist on that. And I think it was it, it was much more impactful. I, I think the, yes. some, the something and here today have lost any resonance. Uh, you know, he tears up every time he does that. And I can't help but be cynical about that but this this mm. was much more impactful i i i think I'd, I'd like to see him you know come on and do nobody told me there'd be days like this or to sing all things must pass as a tribute to george but it's the same stuff this was different this was there's a there's i, I suppose there is a cynical side to it in the sense you know it's paul mccartney's got back and he's using the get back footage but i think it was well done and yeah he's absolutely entitled to do it I think it's well done and it, it also works because Get Back itself, irrespective of the Blu-ray release, it was just so good that to, to ride that wave and to say I'm still the same guy, fair enough, who else is going to do it? Um, yeah, he, he did try for a short while, as I remember, about when, when he's back on the road at the start of the millennium to put in All Things Must Pass as his George tribute, but it very quickly tilted back into that something tribute that he does. Um, now you mentioned it there he plays Glastonbury so the, the he does the six weeks in North America and then he plays one gig outside of North America which is well two gigs essentially one is headlining the Glastonbury Festival on the Saturday night and then a warm up gig in uh, the Cheese and Grain in Frome um, in, in, in Somerset now, I've been to Frome have you ever been to Frome Stephen? I couldn't, I couldn't point to it on the map <laughs> <laughs> Frome is, uh, I guess it's about 20 minutes away from the Glastonbury site itself, but it's a fun little village. It's got a great record store called Raves from the Graves. Maybe they're listening, I doubt it. But um, it, has an, it, it has a train that connects to London as well, but it has an odd kind of rock and roll vibe in Frome. Um, I, I know that Huey from the Fun Loving Criminals lives there. He's very rock and roll. He's very rock and roll. Um, but he's very rock and roll, but it has this... this, 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 this um, this pub, which regularly hosts gigs. So it's not uncommon for bands to do warm-ups or to do a random gig in Frome. Um, but it's, it like, from the outside, it seems like a small village of about, whatever, 7,000 people. But it, it has this rock and roll thing, maybe because of proximity. There's lots of funky ley line stuff that happens in Glastonbury. So there's the town of Frome, there's the town of Glastonbury itself. It's a fun part of the world. So what you're saying is we missed a trick. You knew that it was likely that Paul was going to be there and you didn't, say let's get the nothing is real camper van and head to Frome. <laughs> and uh, no I didn't head to Frome. I, I I think I was probably still surprised that he did the Frome gig um, but he did, did it he did is that a phrase um, and he used it as part of it like it was not just a warm-up gig it was a no, bit of promo because he's putting 
he's putting like clips of it on his you know social feeds and it's all looking very dramatic and this was the the build-up to Glastonbury and there's what about 200 people in the audience and they're they're just saying oh it was amazing it was fantastic and etc etc so he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing what I would say is he should have done it the week before and given himself a week given himself a week (laughs) to recover well let's talk about the Glastonbury uh, gig itself. So he's headlining on the Saturday night, and for people who don't live in um, the UK and Ireland, uh, you know, Glastonbury is um, a, it's a big festival, but w- what's important to remember is that it goes out on the BBC across the whole weekend, and it's on, you know, their live regular channels, and there's loads of stuff going on where you can press a, an interactive button and get live streams online from various stages, and you know, there's a compilation show every night, but you know, the, the BBC channels are all about putting on the gigs live as they happen from the site. And so it's the same for Paul, isn't it? It's live as it happens? Well, the night mm. the night that uh, Paul was playing Glastonbury, and I mentioned that my sister Alison was there, I was in London getting COVID and watching, <laughs> watching uh, the Rolling Stones in Hyde Park, which is the same day. Okay. As I headed back to my hotel in a sober fashion, I was getting texts from my sister saying, Paul McCartney's on stage and he's just played this and he's just played that and he's just played the other. And by the time I got back to the hotel, I turned on the TV and it was clear that there was a huge delay built in. So I think I was, yep. at this point was also tweeting you saying, this is what's happening at Glastonbury. And you were going, don't tell me. And I'm, I'm watching this. Don't tell me. <laughs> Don't tell me what's happening. So yeah, there was a there was a huge delay built in between uh, Paul, what Paul was what was happening live and what was actually going out on the BBC. So I was I was able mm. to be at home, tucked up, well in my hotel, tucked up in bed, watching the Rolling Stones on TV with my Coco and uh, or watching Paul on TV. You'd already watched the Rolling Stones. I'd already watched the Rolling Stones. Yeah, sorry. Yes, <laughs> um, it's, it's very. By early. the way. So it is very early on, on this Christmas day. And it's Christmas because we were just it's up Christmas. all night. Um, it's Christmas and I've been getting that turkey ready. Um, sidebar, you've said to me that the Rolling Stones were sensational. They were sensational. They absolutely were mm. sensational. I had determined mm. not to go and see the Rolling Stones because, you know, Charlie Watts. And I'd seen them. Well, in, the best one wasn't there anymore. The best one wasn't there anymore. And I just... I really thought I had no interest. And then a guy that I work with, hello Emmett, uh, find he had a spare <laughs> ticket and said, did I want this spare ticket? So I went. I thought that's the Lord's way of telling me to go. Um, it's Emmett's way of telling you to go. <laughs> well, it was Emmett's way of saying, I have this, I have this ticket I've paid for. Would you like to reimburse me? Uh, I think that was, that was it. But I went it was a very different band. You you could hear the difference. I mean, instantly you could you you just knew that it, even if you were standing there with your eyes closed, you would know it was a different uh, different drummer. But yeah. they were fantastic. And the interesting thing is, the Stones. Uh, this sounds silly because it's only two or three songs, but they were playing mid mid to late sixties pop Stones. Yeah, you know, so which I, I like. It was you. It was exactly the set list for you. You know, because they're doing Out of Time and they're 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 doing that sort of mid sixties. They're throwing those songs in. Jagger did not stop moving at all. You know, he's a man of eighty years age. You know, he's contemporary of Paul's. Mm. His voice was in top condition. They were great. 
and I have yeah. resolved the next time they play, I'm going to go and see them, and I'm going to go and see them the time after that, and the time after that until they stop playing. Well, they're back on this track of, oh, we're making a new album, which I will believe when I see it, but yeah. maybe maybe they are. 2023. Um, 2023. It's coming. <laughs> okay. We, we're well known for our excellent predictions yes. on our Christmas episodes. End of part one. Intermission. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. End of intermission. Part two. But getting back to McCartney at Glastonbury, yes, there was about a 50-minute lag between what was happening on stage and what was appearing on the BBC. And this is not how the BBC normally does it. They normally go directly live um, to the stage. So uh, it's, uh, heaven forbid, it was to do with just having a, a bit like the way they sometimes have a delay in case somebody curses. It, it seems like it was a, a delay to make things as smooth as possible to avoid any technical hitches. I, I think the, the feed we got was generally live, but it was managed and, and micromanaged in a probably an MPL helmed way, I would say. I That's my guess. I think you're probably right. The phrase I've written down is it was fixed in the mix. So <laughs> you fixed uh, it in the mix, uh, yes. Fixing in the mix. So I suspect there was a little, you know, mobile studio somewhere at the back and somebody is fixing it in the mix before it goes out. Mm. Uh, you know, people have done it before. People, you know, uh, the Stones only allowed 60 minutes of their set to be put out. Yeah. Bowie, Bowie, I think, did something similar when he headlined. So it's not unusual that the headliners have demands or have conditions. The other interesting thing is that it didn't appear on iPlayer. Yes. For quite some time. So for people who don't know, iPlayer is the BBC's on-demand streaming service. Yeah. And part of Glastonbury Weekend is as soon as this gig is over, you can stream it straight away. You can rewatch it as needs be. And yes, you're right. There was about a 12-hour-ish delay before it appeared on, on, yeah. on iPlayer, which was very, very noticeable. So I think there was more fixing in the mix. <laughs> well, there was one bit that was cut away, which was there was some kind of kerfuffle in the crowd. And that wasn't uh, about three or four songs in. Nothing bad happened, but um, that was definitely taken out of the live broadcast. Yeah. And my sister would like me to apologise to everyone for what she did in the crowd. <laughs> and that, that's, uh, but I, I, it, it was hugely well received, uh, this yes. performance. And I know I am traditionally cast as the anti- all I always do him down, but mm -hmm. I, I thought that was just such an overreaction. You, you know, Pete Pafides, love you, Pete, but 
he was writing saying <laughs> this is this is this is the definitive this is the Glastonbury set this is the best Glastonbury set that ever there was yep i i watched it as it went out which was obviously 50 minutes posted actually happening and and there was one song cut from the broadcast um but uh, part of me you know i know what a paul live gig yeah. is and i knew like the john thing was coming up and it was about two hours 45 as it went out on in length as it went mm. out on the BBC, which is a huge amount of airtime on the national. It was on BBC One as well. It wasn't on one of the niche BBC channels. It was the Saturday primetime BBC One experience. And it was definitely a gig of three parts, um, you know, you know, the first kind of 50 minutes, the next 50 minutes and the final 50 minutes. And the first 50 minutes... Um, I was kind of amazed at, you know, some of the stuff that he was doing, that it was, that the crowd were still kind of with him. You know, there was a couple of new songs, a couple of album tracks. And part of me with my Paul experience was like, yeah, this is going to go up a gear. I think when we saw him in 2018, I counted about five gear changes throughout the night as, yes. as the, the set progressed. And, um, you know, he, he so he does know, I, I, I was watching that first hour going, he knows what he's doing. But this, if it was this for three hours, we're in big trouble. Yeah. But he knows what he's doing. Um, and then gradually, you know, the, the hits kind of built up in the middle third. Um, and then we get the special guests. And in retrospect, you know, I, I remember there's people online saying, you know, Danny Harrison and Sean Lennon are going to turn up. And I'm like, no, no, they're not. No. They're not going to turn up at all. I think the guests that did turn up and um, it was... I, I, I'd seen messages about who it was before they actually appeared on the BBC. Um, but who did turn up? That, that was some pretty heavy star power. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce, to see you. To see you, Bruce. Yeah, it was great. See you, Bruce. And Dave Grohl as well. This was Dave Grohl's first mm. proper public appearance since Taylor Hawkins had died in, in February because the, the, the Foo Fighters had gone into storage. So, you know, there was something nice about Paul getting Dave back on stage. Um, and, you know, Dave Grohl will turn up to many things. He will. <laughs> um, but, but Bruce doesn't. Bruce is a pretty big, um, pretty big attraction to get. Now, Bruce had already appeared on Paul's tour. Yes. So that that, that was a sort of, uh, you know, not that it was expected, but it had, it had happened before. And But yeah, Bruce, mm. Bruce is Bruce. You know, Bruce is uh, pretty big, I think, uh, I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. That was interesting, and it, it's. In, I I have seen Bruce Springsteen appear with people before, and he does tend to take over. You know, he does tend to dominate. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did that there. I thought the dynamic was interesting between Paul and Bruce. I mean, I'm not a Bruce fan particularly. Uh, I think I may have mentioned that in the past. I'm not a fan of <laughs> man, many people. You know, I'm not a fan <laughs> of people. <laughs> And, but I did. I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from my, the comfort of my hotel bed. You know. And the curious thing is that uh, they did a Bruce song. They did Glory Days. Yes, that was that was the only thing that I didn't like. I don't like that song at all. <laughs> well, I think any bar band can play Glory Days. You know, it's a very straightforward song to play. Uh, yeah, I I didn't really get that. Was he kind of sound, trying to give give Bruce a bit of a boost to help his career? We'll do one of your songs. I don't know. <laughs> well, 
it, it, it was a bit of a rocket flare uh, to pay attention to the fact that Bruce is going to be back on tour in 2023 and he's headlining Glastonbury. So he's got the, the boots to fill next year. And he's got the guest slot to fill. So is Paul going to come on and they'll do Get Back? Yeah. Or or Edgar Winter, maybe? Who knows? Yeah. Anyone, could, Anyone could rock up. I, I, I would just like to say the last time Bruce Springsteen headlined Glastonbury was in 2010. I was there. Uh, he opened with a really obscure... Joe Strummer song, which was terrible. And then about two or three songs later, he sang Outlaw Pete, which is the worst song ever by anyone ever. And um, then I wandered off to watch Franz Ferdinand instead, which was a much better use of my time. Good for you. I just like to say. But Franz Ferdinand were very hot back then, I think. They were hot. You were down with the kids. I was down with the kids. You remember when Franz Ferdinand Uh, were the next big thing? That was great. Franz Ferdinand are a bit like the Ship of Thebes, which is there's there's only one or two of them left. They've changed their members so much in the last couple of years, which is a bit of a pity. I saw them only once, and they were headlining, yeah. uh, co-headlining a little kind of thing in, in Belfast. And uh, the co-headliner, Scissor Sisters. Those were the days. <laughs> Man, I can't believe we're getting nostalgic for, what is it, the late noughties. Um... The at one point during the Glastonbury gig, uh, and and you know just to, you know he did pull it off. He did get a lot of uh, you know great um, claim and appraise. I, I did think you know as as a seasoned Glastonbury watcher, there was no Paul McCartney album for people to go into the shops and buy or to download or stream. There's no you know uh, you know Jeff Lynne did the Legend slot about five years ago, and the following week he went to number one. You know, Dolly Parton got an album into the charts off the back of Glastonbury. So it wasn't like pure McCartney was rebundled or reissued and entered into the top ten, which I think was a, a missed trick. But during the gig, the crowd sing right at the start, happy birthday to Paul, because June 2022, Paul McCartney turned 80 years of age. Can you believe it? It's very odd to think <laughs> that, that, those, yes. that those 20-year-olds mop tops... Or 80, but I guess that's what happens. You're a doctor, aging. That's nothing we can do. It it, it does happen. And I, I, I've, I've been doing some reorganisation and I picked up a, an old copy of Mojo and it was to do with Bob Dylan's late career, you know, renaissance. Uh, and it was the time of Modern Times was coming out. And they were like, oh, you know, since time out of mind, everything's great. And the last line of the article is, Bob Dylan is 65. And I'm like, yeah, um, he is 65, um, but now he's not 65. He's much, much older. Um, And here we are at 80. Um, It's uncharted territory for all of these octogenarians doing their thing. But they've been breaking that through into each each decade is uncharted territory. So once they all hit 60, you know, know, as you said before, no roadmap for this. And they just keep going. And Paul is just doing what Paul does. And he's just keeping going. Dylan is doing what Dylan does, which is a completely different thing. And, and Ringo has settled into a groove. The Stones are doing what they do, which is, you know, we'll do some live gigs. We'll tell everybody there's a new album and then we'll not put it out. And then we'll repackage stuff as the greatest hits. They're all sort of navigating this in their own way. Yeah. And Paul never tends to draw attention to his birthday the way Ringo does. It's not... You know, he, 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 but I think it was kind of inescapable that he was 80. And it's probably a very Paul thing to say, well, I'm turning 80, so I'm going to headline the biggest rock festival in the world or one of the biggest rock festivals in the world, and I'm going to ace it. And this isn't going to be about being 80 per se. 
Um, so I think I think if, if 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 he was kind of doing it low key on his farm, people would be like, oh well, he's kind of being quiet. But it's 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 kind of a, a defiant turn of being eighty. Well, he's the, you know, anti Ringo in the sense that he is everything that Ringo isn't. You know, he's still ambitious. He still wants to record with younger people. I'm counting Dave Grohl as being a younger person. <laughs> yes. You know, he still has that drive to be number one, to headline the biggest festival in the UK, to make the numbers, to hit the box office touring receipts, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's just inherent in his DNA, I think, that competitive streak. And that's why he's still where he is. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so it was kind of up to fans to celebrate his 80th. There was a, you know, a London event from the Word in Your Ear people. There was a, a Dublin event that we were involved in. That was a fun day out. That was a very fun day out. We, you know, made lots of new close showbiz personal friends. Close showbiz pals. That was the day when we chatted to Rogue Best and Lawrence uh, Juber and um, Howie Casey. My, my very close personal friend, Howie Casey. Howie, Howie Casey was just one of the, one of, he was just brilliant. And, and again, an octogenarian on the road doing his thing. Yeah, absolutely. Completely different end of the scale, but still there. Still needs a nap in the middle of the afternoon, he was telling me. But no, I need a nap <laughs> yes, in the middle of the afternoon. So. Even though we seem to have spent about an hour talking about Paul, it was still a relatively quiet year. Yes, there was this tour, but there was no reissue. There was no new album. There was no significant half-speed remaster um, and I think we've said every year uh, on this yearly recap oh we're going to get London Town and back to the egg next year you know they didn't happen no you know it's all but we we did get the one two three box set <sighs> I'm just going to sigh for about 20 minutes into yeah. the microphone I've, <sighs> I've, I've written down in the margin here waste of cardboard so <laughs> for someone who's such an environmentalist yeah I have nothing to add <laughs> It, um, here's, if, you know, if you can't say anything nice, Stephen, here's what I will say. I thought, I, 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 I thought the, um, the design and the lettering related to the whole McCartney 3 project and this box set is very nice, you know, um, but I really didn't see the point of it. It's not like there was a CD full of extra stuff no. or we've taken the stuff from the McCartney and McCartney 2 um, you know, collector's editions and added in, you know, all the demos that we could find from McCartney 3. It's totally redundant. Nice bit of, um, you know, artistic graphic design and colouring and all the rest. That's probably the nicest thing I can say. But I had absolutely, again, let's tick off things I have not bought this year. I did not buy it. It was ferociously expensive, particularly it, it the was, CD version. It was ferociously expensive. And... Yeah, a lot of the criticism was just, well, this is just a a, a money grab. It's akin to the four hundred different coloured versions of of McCartney three. You know, that's an album I like, but it, fair enough. Why you know, it's a it's a business. It's a shit business. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's a business. It people want to make money. Paul's entitled to make money, but I think there comes a point when you think. It's got to be about more than that. It's got to be about more than just putting existing records in a little box and saying, here's a new thing. Because he knows the level yeah. of fandom, Beatle fandom, McCartney fandom is such that people will buy this. If there's something like it, people will buy it. If it's about more than money, I think it's about this. I think it's about him saying, 
look at what I've achieved across 50 years. I've di- I did this back in 1970. I'm doing this in 2022. They're all connected. I'm Paul McCartney. It's kind of an art, you know, I am still as valid now or as creative now as I was back then. If, if there's a, yeah, that was kind of a subtext of the whole McCartney 3 thing. Do you know what I mean? Is that I am still doing this. I'm still the same guy. And one of the things I loved about McCartney 3 was it was a, a, a McCartney solo record that wasn't fighting against his Beatle records. It was fighting against his own solo records and it was part of that legacy. That's something I really liked about it. So I get that side of it. But yes, this thing doesn't add anything, doesn't have any extras. It's just showing off, basically. Showing off. Yeah, I didn't buy showing it. Showing off. I didn't buy it. After all that, I, I didn't buy it. You've probably guessed <laughs> I did um, so speaking of overpriced Paul McCartney things um, that don't get bought, um, we then get mumblings uh, towards the end of the year of the singles box. And they announce a 700 quid-ish um, limited edition 3000 unit Paul McCartney singles box. 80 singles in a wooden crate that looks like a wooden crate. Um, and yours for, yeah, depending on which part of the world you are, let's just say you, you won't get any change out of 700 yeah. euros, dollars, pounds. Um, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. And is it a nice thing? I've watched an unboxing video. I have done that. I think if I had bought it, I wouldn't have bothered unboxing it. I think I would just have kept it in the packaging and kept it for a year or two and then sold it. It was, you know, it was 600 quid plus about 60 or 70 quid shipping. So the shipping was ludicrous as well. But within hours of it being on the market, it was listed on eBay for £18,000, £1,900. Yeah. So... And... uh, I don't don't know. it's, it's, It's a, you know, it's a nice thing to have. Fair enough. I, I, I'm a man for a nice crate. You know that? Yeah, absolutely. But I know that. The, the, the fact that this is the most unfriendly format in terms of, you know, are you, are you actually going to sit having adjusted your turntable to 45? Are you going to just sit and play these singles back and forth? I don't think anybody is going to do that. Yeah, I've, I've never seen the appeal of seven-inch box sets myself no. for exactly that reason. I understand that some people do buy these things as collectibles, as objets art, as, you know, just to, to have them or to be completists. And I, I understand that motivation. I, you know, in, you know, I kind of, for reasons of space, money, cost, time, if I'm buying a thing, I want to know that I'm going to listen to it or, you know, I'm going to pull it off the shelves in, in the future. And, and this kind of thing, the practicalities of it don't really um, add up. I, I think one of its functions is to do the same thing that I was talking about a second ago about the McCartney 123 box, which is to say, look upon my works, ye mighty, and be amazed that I've you know got these 80 singles going, you know, back 50 plus years. And here they all are in, in one place. And yeah, sure, that's impressive. And if, if this was to have come out on CDs, it's about nine CDs worth mm. of music time-wise. And maybe we should say, you know, thank you for putting it up on streaming. There's one or two tracks that are unavailable elsewhere. There's a, a Dance Tonight demo and one or two other things that are, you know, that, that haven't really appeared before. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really see as a, as a listening experience whether I, would, uh, whether I would get much out of it, you know? I think it would have made perfect sense to put this out in June. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, go along, yeah. to go along with Glastonbury with all the 
exposure. I think a CD box, I, if it came out on CD, I would buy it on CD because you say there are mixes, there are things in there that you can't get elsewhere at the minute. Yeah. That may come out on archive boxes in the future if, if we have such things. But I, I would certainly have bought the CD version. I'll, I'll dip in and out of it on streaming. It's nice to have, but it's the very definition of a collectible. It's something that you would buy, that you would keep sealed, and then you will sell it in, in years to come, or your children will throw it in a skip when you die. It's that kind of... <laughs> I, I actually hadn't thought about that point, that, yeah, when I was saying a few minutes ago there was no product ready to go when Paul was at Glastonbury, maybe this was due to come out in the summer, because it's 80 singles for 80 years of age, career retrospective. You know, it, it could have dropped at that point. That would have... Um, that would have made a bit of sense. Maybe the you know there's a, there's a huge bottleneck in the vinyl production market. This is three thousand box sets with eighty singles. That's two hundred and forty thousand singles that have to be made for this box set. That's another point that somebody made on Twitter. There's two hundred and forty thousand pieces of vinyl here. What are the chances of all of those coming off the production line without a flaw? You know. Well, we know there has been feedback online that there have been, you know, some singles. Um, you know, there have been label printing issues where the labels have been printed off centre or the labels have been printed onto the, the vinyl themselves. I, I mean, yeah, I think if you're making 240,000 of something, they are not all going to be uh, perfect. And uh, that's just, you know, I'm sure they'll figure out how to replace the things that need to replace. Each box came with a, a, a bonus random uh, test pressing as well. There was an 81st record in the box, so you didn't know what you were you were going to get. Um but what I saw this box, I thought, well, this is a product of in-house archiving. You know, when you kind of see this this type of thing to say, well, here's 80 singles and each single cover has been chosen from one of the myriad of single releases around the world. And, you know, these aren't exactly 80 singles. Some of them are representative. Some of them are digital singles from later years. You know, we've sometimes had to choose a specific B-side. Um, and, you know, it sort of annoyed me as well that it said 80 singles um, 159 tracks. I'm like, could you not just make it 160 tracks? It was Party Party that didn't have a B-side, by the way, fact fans. Um, but but this kind of thing is kind of generated by archivists who say, well, look, I've got a database of every single sleeve in every country and everything around the world and every B-side. You know, how do we take this information and kind of parse it into a, a thing? That's that's kind of what it says to me. Yeah, and I think, I, I, I think you may be right. I think this may have been scheduled for earlier in the year. It's a it's an idiot birthday present to himself, basically. Yeah. But I yeah. saw I saw he gave uh, a copy to Denny Lane. Denny Lane posted oh, up. Oh, really? He posted up on Facebook a little picture, just said, thanks, Paul, XX, Denny. And that prompted the oh. question, I think people can write in, send a stamped, undressed elephant to the Jim Keltner fan club. <laughs> How many box sets would Paul, out of the 3,000, would Paul have had to set aside to give a copy to every person who was in Wings. <laughs> That's about 1,000 of the 3,000. So. I uh, the, the boxes are individually numbered. There's a very charming video, official video on Paul's website about the company that made the boxes and how each one is individually numbered. And I wonder what number Denny got. I'd say 2992 is probably what, what he got. Um, I don't think it's like the White Albums where, he, where they got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 for all the members of Wings that are still on the trot. I don't think so. I should have, I should have looked that up. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that he was giving Denny Lane a, a box set, a Christmas box. I, I, I'm sure there is a, um, an MPL um, staff list where, you know, these things just get sent out to... Uh, 
to a certain group of people whenever they, they get released, you know, and there's a, there's a little card from Paul. You think Paul didn't do this himself? That's right. I'm sure Paul didn't. I'm, uh, at most, Paul was sat at a monthly MPL meeting, which was like, and we're going to send one of these to the regular list. Yes, we'll send one of these to people on the regular list. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm looking at the, uh, looking at a picture. It comes with a compliment slip from uh, MPL. Can you make out the number? Uh, no, it just said, Paul asked, oh. Paul asked me to send you this, which he thought you might enjoy with love. So it's it's like oh. a, a letter dictated by Paul and signed in his presence. <laughs> you know, it's uh, but yeah, there it is. Yeah. Nice, nice little box. You can't see can't see the number. I'm afraid. Um, well, God bless him. You know, Denny. At, Denny, least, the, at least they still have his contact details. They, I'm, I'm impressed by that. You they, know, they do. They do. Um, so yeah, that's kind of Paul's year. Not a lot of new stuff. Uh, it's very unusual that we'd go a, a, a year without some kind of new Paul McCartney material. Um, and a lot of retrospection. He's still cutting it, uh, live. What happens next is, is anyone's guess. Um, we've taken a lot of time with Ringo and with Paul. Uh, let's talk about John and George. Let's start with John and all the myriad of box sets we got this year. Oh, no, we didn't. It was great. Sometime in New York City, <laughs> fantastic. The album, the box set, the remixes, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, it's... Um, there's been very little official activity in the John Lennon channel uh, this year. At the start of the year, as we have talked about before... There was a website placed that told us we were getting 2022 ultimate mixes of the John and Yoko album sometime in New York City, which would be in keeping with what we have had before we've had. Um, And it seemed to be following the exact same process, which was teaser website. Here we go. And we've had the Imagine box, we had the Plastic on a Band box, and we're like, okay, you know, we'd had the Give Me Some Truth box, and the Give Me Some Truth box had shown us all these ultimate mixes. Granted, only one song from some time was on that box set, but, you know, there's there's obviously, again, an archivist at play. There's multi-tracks being remixed. We have tasters on the Gimme Some Truth box about mind games and walls and bridges and double fantasy and all that kind of stuff. So we all went, hip, hip, hooray, here comes sometime in New York City. We heard this story that the opening track of Sometime in New York City is the thing that has... Um, uh, maybe perhaps put the kibosh on all of this. And it does seem to have disappeared. Yeah, it seems to just, yeah, disappeared into the ether. Uh, I think I think we broke that story to the waiting world. And uh, one, one of our one of our listeners just happened to be somewhere and had a piece of information. I can see that the first track is problematic, but mm. you, you could have seen that a decade off. So th- th- this wasn't a surprise. This can't have been a surprise to anybody at Universal uh, that, that, you know, the track exists, the track is there, the website goes up. Did they just suddenly then look at the track listing and think, uh-oh, can't have that? Yeah. What was the yeah. plan? What was the plan? It, you know, was there nobody looking ahead? I think um, possibly not. You know, I've, I've um, occasionally had 
vague secondhand interactions with record labels, don't uh, be surprised at how sometimes they just don't know what's going on. And, you know, they're like, okay, full steam ahead on the next box. And wait, what, what, what? <laughs> you know, I, I think that's totally a reasonable happening. Um, so it, it is possible that that's the way. And, you know, there's a business side of things that might say, well, actually, you know, we've looked at the returns on the Imagine and Give Me Some Truth and Plastic Unabandoned, and we haven't exactly made... Uh, you know, the return of investment that we thought we had. But the flip side of that is, this is the Lenin estate, and you don't, um, you, you just kind of, you know, th- these are the prestige things that add prestige to your label. You know, there's a, there's a path in place, let's play it out. So I kind of think that, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that these things weren't being snapped up by fans anyway. I think the Lenin estate has done a fantastic job with what they've done Yeah, I love so those far. boxes. Yeah. Uh, everything about them uh, I, I like. And, uh, you, you know, they've got to have consideration for all the OCD fans out there that are just now going to have a gap. And uh, we, we need this box. I think it's an album that is deserving of reappraisal. It's an album that I think would benefit hugely from a 2022-2023 remix. It's a Spectre production. Uh, I, I think it needs mm-hmm. to be stripped back a bit. I think there's a huge range of bonus material available from live stuff to demos to, uh, you know, uh, the, the archival stuff from 1969 that they played that turned out turned up in the, bo- in the original album. Yeah, I, I want this box set out. And I'm absolutely with Sean Lennon if Sean Lennon is arguing that it should come out in its original state. It, put the box out, explain the context. That's what happened at the time. When the so, record came out. Uh, uh, so the question is, what's going to happen next? 2023 will be the 50th anniversary of Mind Games. If a Mind Games box suddenly appears, I think it's going to be even more obvious that this thing was, you know, intentionally put to one side. And does that mean, A, it never comes out? Or B, is there some kind of concession where you're, you're like, do you know what? You know, you can mail order it. You can do a direct-to-consumer version of the Sometime box if you want it, and we'll just continue with Mind Games and Walls and Bridges and blah, blah, blah. Is that a a potential route, I wonder? Well, I don't know if Sean Lennon has the ability to take this somewhere else. You know, if Mm. if Universal don't want to put it out, can he take it to Secretly Canadian, or can he take it to Morris Levy and mail order it, as you suggest? Uh, (laughs) But I think it should come out. But it's going to be embarrassing, I think, if... Mind, game, yeah. Mind Games comes out. And I would hate to think that this has derailed the wider reissue remix program. I, I agree with that completely. And I'd, I'd welcome a Mind Games reissue. I'd, I'd welcome all of these reissues. But if Mind Games appears, then it, it really, really highlights that, yes, yeah, something happened here. And, and we know something happened here. There was a website and then there wasn't. So something happened. Yeah. 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 Um, so apart from that, there's not really any other major John information, uh, I would say, for 2022, is there? No, don't think so. No. So let's go to George. And uh, that's also very, very, very quiet. After uh, Again, after a very busy 2021, and John's 2021 was busy, uh, George, there's really been nothing. No Bangladesh, and maybe that's to do with rights, or maybe it's to do with, you know, it's a various artists project. Um, but yeah, there's no big George thing. He, there was, a, wasn't there George um, 
marijuana sanctioned things yes. that came out. But, um, but uh, there, there, there's nothing of note, really, is there? Well, there were three big things. I have a list of okay. three. Well, there's Olivia's things, but there's, go on, what's yeah, on your list? Yeah. What are so we have Olivia's book of poetry about George. Uh, which, okay. which and she's been doing the various literary festivals, and you know people have been reporting back. Oh, I was sitting ten feet away from Olivia Harrison, and she was talking about this, that, or the other. I, I don't know. Is that a li- one of the other things you haven't bought? I have not bought that either. Tick. I have not bought it, but I did order it from Genesis and lovely people at Genesis, and uh, lovely people haven't hasn't arrived. So not out yet. So the special has your has your postman been? Regaling you with Olivia Harrison poetry, by any chance? Yes. Well, no. It's uh, it, <laughs> okay. it, it, it's it's a worry. Uh, the other thing was uh, George related. Paddy Boyd released a, oh, yeah. released a book. I did buy that book, and <laughs> okay. uh, it's a very it's a very interesting book because not only does it sort of have lots of photographs that, of Paddy Boyd, which is always interesting. He said in a sexist way. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it also has photographs that she took and it also has photographs of memorabilia and letters and things, some of which I'd never seen before, including a very funny letter okay. from, from, from John Lennon uh, that, that, that he sent. So it's interesting from that point of view. And the last photograph in the book, friend of the show, Chris Floyd, photographer, excellent photograph taken of Patty Boyd, you know, more recently. But the mm-hmm. big news story, which has just broken in, in the last few, few uh, weeks, is uh, Olivia Harrison has applied for planning permission to build a yoga studio in uh, Friar Park. Well, wait a sec. Stop the presses. I take it all back. 2023 has been yeah. some year. Some year. Um, this, was a, this was a major story in the, da- <laughs> in the Daily Mail on the 16th of December, all those weeks ago. And what are the plans for the yoga studio? It's, is, is, is it out of keeping? Are there people uh, complaining about this? Is Friar Park not big enough to contain its own internal yoga studio? There's not enough room to do yoga in Friar Park. It's very modern, <laughs> contemporary style, yeah. glass walls, but it also has an outside patio space for doing exercises in the open air. An entire two-page spread in the Daily Mail off the back of a planning application, Okay, I ask you. I do wonder sometimes, you know, in, 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 you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what will become of Friar Park, you know? Um, it'd be lovely to think it might be bequeathed to the state or become a national trust building or something like that. I, George, you know? George Harrison is never going to bequeath it to the tax man. <laughs> He's going to allow it to yeah. be, sell Friar Park and pay off the national debt. That's the... Uh, <laughs> I know, it's such a, it's a, like, you know, you'd love to have a rummage around Fire Park, wouldn't you? I would. I would like Olivia just to say, I really like your podcast, and in return, I'm going to give you a, li- <laughs> a little grace and favour cottage in the grounds of Fire Park that you can come to and stay that's, in any time you like. That's my... That, that's the Acast plus, 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 plus tier. That is. I don't even, I don't even need access to the yoga studio. <laughs> no, you're flexible enough. I am. Um, so yes, a quiet George year, which brings us back to the Beatles en masse, because once we get to the end of the year, having had a get back January, we, we get to the revolver end of year thing, which, um, you know, we've, we discussed this on a separate episode, but for those who, who haven't tuned in, I think the general thing is it's a mid-tier reissue. It's a mid-tier reissue. Our advice is stream it. 
Our advice is stream it or wait for one of those. Um, there was recently an offer where it was down to 60 quid, 65 odd quid. Seems reasonable price. Yeah, I think it's definitely definitely worth uh, 60 quid. But, you know, I think generally we're not... I, I like Giles' remixes. I wasn't a huge fan of these remixes, particularly no. where two tracks um, and Andrew Bird can sing and Tomorrow Never Knows. But what do we know? Because it goes into the charts at number two. These things have a an audience ready. They intentionally come out at Christmas. I am sure there are many people up and down the land to say, I'll get you that for Christmas or I know what that person likes. The Beatles are a, a sure bet as a present. Um, you know, it is what it is. It is. I think it's unfair to describe it as a number two. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, it's, it's, uh, but, you know, it doesn't have a physical uh, surround disc. Um, you know, there is an Atmos mix-up on streaming. Um, it, it, I kind of, I feel bad for getting iteratively less excited about these boxes. I think... That is my feeling that these, Mm. it's like when I'm listening to music on shuffle in the car, I'm more interested to see what the next song will be than to actually listen to the next song. (laughs) I know exactly what you You mean. You know, so it's that kind of, oh, it's that song, click, wonder what next song will be. And it's, it's, there's a, yeah, familiarity, uh, perhaps breeding contempt or something. I don't know what the appropriate phrase is, but yeah, yeah, it's just these things are being churned out and they're less and less interesting to me, I I think. It's it's more about, that's a nice box, I'll have that, but I'm not necessarily going to listen to it. Yeah. That's that's the problem. There was a nice thing towards the end of the year when Paul and Ringo were back in the same room and that room was in Abbey Road, and it was for Mary McCartney's documentary, If These Walls Could Sing, which is on Disney+, Plus, but apparently not in the UK and Ireland, but in the rest of the world uh, for Christmas, which is a documentary about uh, that famous building, not album, Abbey Road. Yeah, I haven't seen this, obviously, because it's not that somebody has just sent me a download of it or anything like that. It's not. I, I, oh, I, hello. No, no, that, that would be a bad thing. Uh, you can't but, be doing that. So I have not seen it. Yet I I genuinely have not seen it, but uh, you know it sounds like it'd be interesting. I wonder how Mary got that gig, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm being very cynical. It's the eggnog is wearing off, but <laughs> someone did post uh, a week or two ago on and uh, a comment about this. I'm going to read it. It said, uh, "I've just heard Giles Martin on this documentary say, quote." The Beatles were already signed by Decca and had recorded an album they didn't release. What? Well, that that's that's ex- <laughs> This is news to me. This is news to I think this is news to and somebody has responded, everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? <laughs> well, how much does Giles really know? He knows lots. Um we've got a so I'm not I'm not um, having a go at Giles. I think it'll be a very pleasant way to spend a hundred odd minutes, uh, Elton John and a few other yeah. um Noel Gallagher, a few other names are in there. And it to be honest, the thing I thought about was, oh, it's it's odd that something like this hasn't happened already. A big documentary, celeb filled documentary about Abbey Road. It is um, it that's is, odd. It is it? You, you, I, in the back yeah. of my mind, I just sort of think, oh, well, yeah, there must have been an Abbey Road documentary. I'm mean, thinking of the George Martin uh, documentary. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's in, it is interesting. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Apart, apart from the Rockestra documentary, that's obviously the definitive. That's obviously the Abbey Road the documentary. Yeah. Um, and there's also been an Abbey Road book this year from uh, David Hepworth. Um, in other parallel Beatles news, there's <clears throat> uh, in, in things that happened around the Beatles. I think Mark Lewison's Evolver 62 was a very good and interesting way to spend some time. It really was. I have to say, mm. you know, it was very nice to get invited to the uh, the press preview of that. Thank you, Mark. It's yes. It's one of the Thank few you, few perks that we get from Nothing Israel. <laughs> um, so it was excellent. I really did not know what to expect going into that. I, yeah. I, 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 but it was brilliantly done. It was very engaging, very entertaining, and uh, he absolutely adamant. As a press preview, I'm going to do this three times in the Bloomsbury Theatre in London, and that's mm-hmm. it. And that's it. And it, he's not doing it uh, again. Oh, 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 hold on. He's not doing it again anywhere in the world except Belfast on the 25th of January. It's, I like to think that's a nod to uh, nothing is real. I'd like to think so too. Man, it would be great if our paths could cross again. It would be. It would be nice to see him. A very close, a very close showbiz friend, Marcus. Close, close friend. Yeah. yeah. If Evolver 62 does spread, it's well worth seeing. I, I think... Sometimes I feel, and I don't mean this to sound jaded, oh, maybe there's nothing new to find out about the Beatles. And then Mark comes along and he's like, ta-da! And you're like, oh, Lewison, you've done it again. Yeah, And I think, you know, this is a period that's covered by his book, by the first volume mm. of the book. But, yeah, it's presented in a way that, that's very engaging. And as you say, there's new information. And he it makes this point in interviews that, uh, you know, he wants to go back and revise or everything he's ever written, <laughs> there is something that, that new has emerged. It is quite, yeah, when he said that, I'm like, please don't rewrite the first book. No. You know, I feel sorry for him that everyone's saying, just write the second book. Um, <clears throat> but yes, if on the off chance of all for 62 spreads to other venues in 2003, definitely um, get there. Intermission. End of intermission. I think we've saved the best last. The greatest thing to happen to the Beatles in 2022 was what, do you reckon? I thought you were going to say the best thing had happened to the Beatles in 20 years. <laughs> well, it was 20 years ago today since something good happened to the Beatles. Uh, Where would you list this? I, I think this is probably, you know, top one. This is definitely yeah, def- definitely not number two. This is a number one. <laughs> um, yes, give the Beatles back to the Irish. I, uh, this show seems fantastic. It's on... It's uh, been praised <laughs> by, by by everybody from, from you mm. to me. Yep. Everyone yep. Is, is praising Our moms. Our moms, yeah. Um, our our moms. Um, yes, th- th- I have to admit, this was a fun thing to do. If you don't know what we're talking about, myself and Stephen have a four-part documentary on BBC Sounds that was made with Ralph McLean for BBC Radio Ulster called Give the Beatles Back to the Irish, which is four 30-minute parts looking at the Beatles and their Irish connections and you know building on some stuff we did in our live episode in 2021. Um, and it was fun to do, and people have been very nice about it. Thank you, people. Yes, thank you. People have been very nice and it's been, you know, it's been, it's been mentioned. We've had reviews. Yes. It, it, it's odd that the, um, you know, obviously you're quite amused by my BBC fanboyness. I was quite excited to just be inside the BBC and go, oh my God, the BBC. I, I, to, the BBC to me is just one of the greatest things. I have to say you hit it very well on the day. I was doing selfies in front of signs. It was, it was, you know, having your having your photograph uh, was, taken with the janitor. Having... It was very embarrassing. 
<laughs> I was having a moment. But come on, can we can we all agree? If you don't think the BBC isn't a wonderful thing, then then stop it. Um, but yes, we're here for the BBC because the BBC was there for us. That exactly, and um, you know, we'll, we'll just sit by the phone and, and and see if the BBC come back to us. Um, but thank you, BBC. Um, that's on BBC Sounds and wherever. Well, it's not wherever you get your podcast. You have to. It was wherever you get your podcast, but now it's just on BBC Sounds. Yes, Give the Beatles yeah. back to the Irish. Yeah. That, that's our tiny plug for that. Um, and well, Donovan put out a record. Yes, end of year highlight. New new uh, Don, <laughs> new Donovan Donovan. Oh, you got me at it now. New Donovan uh, LP uh, featuring. David Gilmore. All oh, right, him of you know, um, Rocket, Pink Floyd, who put out a single this year. I was going to say him of uh, Rockestra fame. <laughs> um, yes, and he's playing Dublin next year, uh, Donovan, which is nice. He's playing the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary. Get your ticket. Should there. we go and see him and ask him to come on the podcast? I've messaged him several times, but he doesn't write. He doesn't ring. He doesn't. I think I, before before I'd ask him on the podcast, I'd ask him. Have you ever heard our podcast? And then I'd ask about yes, the podcast, yes. depending on what that answer was. I think that'd be the, the, the that'd be a reasonable thing to do. When when we do the yearly reviews, I normally spring this question on you, which is, what is the best thing you've heard in twenty twenty two, or what's been your album of the year, or what have you liked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, the best thing I've heard all year is obviously give the Beatles back to the Irish. I mean, that's that's a good point. Yeah, that's on my list too. Yeah. Um. Uh, second on the list. Second on the list. What have I listened to? Uh, there's a chap called Michael Ralt. I think that's how you pronounce it. R-A-U-L-T. Very good. Very okay. beatly. It's only his... I think he was in a band before, but he's got two two solo albums, and uh, that was very good. I recommend that. I don't know. Uh, my niece <laughs> put together a very interesting playlist with uh, Taylor Swift, Megan Trainer, and Sigrid. So I'm gradually, okay. I'm gradually, you know, turning into a 16-year-old Come girl. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, and you saw Sigrid, didn't you, in a tiny venue? No, no. Uh, oh, I thought I thought you got to that. Oh no, you no. You I, sent I, your I sent my niece. I sent my niece, venue. and she was turned away for being underage. It was very, very. Uh, but she did then. Oh, she, yeah, but she did then get to see them in uh, see them see her in uh, the three arena. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then best twenty twenty two feels like we've gotten back into gigs. Uh, any gig that you is the Rolling Stones your gig of the year or oh, is there anything def, else def, definitely Rolling Stones um, really yeah wow. yeah yeah definitely Rolling Stones I saw Roxy Music in the O2 yeah. in London they were they were quite good but I, I can't see them doing it again I think that was probably a last throw of the dice I also saw Steve Hackett in uh, mm. the Hammersmith Odeon he was great. And did he hack it? He did hack it. He, he, he was great. He was absolutely fantastic. It was, he, he, you know, they played all of uh, um, Foxtrot, which, you know, the whole of Supper's, Supper's Ready. It, you, would have, you, would have, you would have loved it. Uh, and, uh, but my top gig, Rolling Stones. My second gig, Elvis Costello at the Hammersmith Odeon, which was two days or three days before the Rolling Stones. I made a whole wow. a whole weekend of it. I had Costello, the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, COVID. What's not to love? <laughs> um, that's pretty good. And any reissues or anything of note that you think is is worth pointing? It's it's been a aside from the six hundred CD or six hundred single box set from McCartney. Um, reissues. I don't know. I uh, you know I'm I'm the the Joni Mitchell remasters are are very oh, yeah. very good. Uh, uh, so that probably, but. I have to say no. I don't. I don't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head in terms of reissues or boxes. The Blondie, 
box set was mm. excellent because I sort of lost track of Blondie after the first couple of albums. Um, but once you sort of get into Auto American and stuff like that, I, they, they'd sort of fallen off my radar. But sensational box set. And if you want to see how a box set should be done, yes. that's a box set to go to. Did you get the vinyl or the CD? I got the CD. I got the CD. Yeah, I I have it on my list because um, I, I kind of have very, very little Blondie and it seems phenomenally well done. It, is, it seems really well done. It is done. very well done and the book is is very well done. Yeah, so that that is probably, sorry Giles, hmm. my reissue of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I'm glad you asked. I quite liked the Spoon album. I thought that was very good. I was hoping not. Um, I was hoping we wouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just assumed uh, you were going to say King Crimson, but uh, there you go. Well, in terms of reissues, I would say the Robert Fripp Exposures box, which I'm still dipping in and out of, is fantastic. There's a Stephen Wilson reimagining of the Under Heavy Manners album, which is a brilliant, brilliant thing. It's about disc 17 or something with David Byrne and all the rest. So that is a good reissue. Um, I liked the Spoon album. I like. I thought Costello put out a great album this year. I love Costello, but sometimes his albums just pass me by. They get a listen, and I, I, I leave them. This album uh, is very, very good. Um, and there's our that album that uh, our, our pal Springer sent us, which is what is it? Um, Silver Fox, or was it Young Gun Silver Fox? Which is just a crazy funny record. It is very good. Which and uh, the irony being that was what you wanted to call this podcast originally. So <laughs> yes, but I'm I, I I am turning into a silver old fox myself. Uh, not that you know. Um, and gig wise, I've had a th- think about this because I found it strange getting back into gigs this year. But Bob Mould was sensational. I stood about five foot from Bob Mould as he did his thing for ninety minutes on just an electric guitar, and it was um, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, he played in Belfast, and I had you know it was a holy day of obligation. I had some family thing that I couldn't I couldn't go to the Belfast gig. I tried to get to him a couple of years back in London. That's when my plane lost an engine on the way to London, uh, so I, I missed that gig. So I thought, but I thought you were going to—I thought you were going to say Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan in Glasgow was very, very, very good. Yeah, um, yeah, he was good because I do love Rough and Ready Ways. I think that's a fantastic record. And surprise of the year because you were stuck with COVID was going to see Yes in Dublin. That was. Really, I'm not a Yes fan. I've got maybe you know one or two albums, um, but I I thought that was just it was enjoyable. The crowd were really into it because they were quiet and they were listening, and then they were losing their reason at the end of a song. And you know, Steve Howe looks well. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, it's it was I was watching this going, oh, this is this is just really crazy, crazy stuff. I was very disappointed because we I've been holding those tickets for. Years, yeah, two plus years, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and then poor, yeah, poor Alan White passed away. Um, yeah, it was shocking. Well, I think what what we learn from yes is that it doesn't matter if you die, if you lose members, if people retire, it just keeps going. Yeah, uh, it just just keeps going. You know, I was I was sitting during the intermission at Yes because it had an intermission, and I was kind of looking around at the stage because it's Vicker Street, which is a very nice venue in Dublin, and uh, the drums were all surrounded by Alan White labeled flight cases. You know, and just the thing, I was like, oh, that's really, that's really tough, harsh, very tough. Yeah, it's just uh, the business, I guess. Yeah, and the other gig, uh, yeah, I'm just remembering as we're talking all the great gigs that I went to this year. Uh, Cowboy Junkies, they were <laughs> they were great. Cowboy Junkies were fantastic. Yeah. 
I saw them in Dublin. They were they were pretty good, I have to admit. And I don't really my, my wife's the Cowboy Junkies fan, but I really enjoyed it. Um and so a quick look towards twenty twenty three. Will Ringo tour, yes or no? I think there'll be some American dates. Yeah. Um, will Paul tour? There's rumblings of European dates or South American dates already, but there was rumblings back in the summer of him doing that two or three weeks pre-Christmas thing, which never happened. No. So I'm, I'm not sure how much to believe rumblings anymore. Well, his avowed t- intention a few years ago was to play all the places he'd never played before, mm. but not Belfast. Belfast. Not Belfast. Yeah, not Belfast. And Paul, I have to admit, I'm enjoying his stubbled, grey-haired look. He's kind of... Um, Looking his age, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, you know, will we get another Lennon box? Well, we'll see if Mind Games happens. George fiftieth anniversary of living in the material world. There's a box I, there. I hope so. I really hope so. I, because, uh, yeah, yeah. That could be a great thing. And um, you know, last year I was looking at my notes from this episode. Last year, I, I kind of um, wondered, oh, would we get a year off in 2022? But we didn't get a year off in 2022. We got revolvers. So obviously, we should probably just you know, get prepped for an annual Beatles event and we should also get prepped for the fact that we will never see the Let It Be film ever again. I think so. I think that's consigned to the dustbin of history, which is a real mm. shame. It's an absolute shame. Yeah, really is actually. It's part of the story and it just feels, you know, it kind of reminded me of, you know, when we did the anthology episodes, um, it, you know, there was this kind of big run up to getting anthology organised, over the line, out to the people and then it sort of tipped into really an awful lot of disorganisation yep. and chaos and, and kind of the, the tale of, you know, the book comes out five years later. It feels like a bit of the same thing with Get Back, you know, getting it out, getting it over the line, getting it out of cinemas onto Disney Plus, you know, eventually it comes out and it's, you know, it's great and acclaimed. And then there's this kind of, oh, we've done all the hard work, a little bit of kind of random post-operational chaos. I don't know if it's reflective of the engagement of, you know, Paul, Ringo, the Lennon estate, the Harrison estate, that they, they have to run everything past four people or four representatives of four different people and they all have different managers and they all have different lawyers or whether it's the fact that sometimes I think Giles is wearing too many hats, you know. Yeah, it, he's trying to please too many he's masters. He's trying to yeah. please too many masters. But also, you know, for example, the, the, the Monkeys box set headquarters. Yep. Andrew Sandoval. Apple need an Andrew Sandoval who can come in, perhaps split out. You know, Giles is doing the Sonic stuff, but perhaps somebody else is choosing what goes in the box. I, I get the sense that Giles mm. Giles is making a lot of those decisions, as you say, to please four different masters. Um, I think they maybe need somebody else to come in and coordinate. I don't know who that would be. They obviously should have Mark Lewis on staff doing the notes, doing the 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 archiving stuff, uh, the Giles doing the sound, but they need to have somebody who can come in and say, uh, "This is what I, this is what I think." Uh, yeah, the, the 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 monkeys box set is four CDs stuffed to the brim, and this is on the back of a three CD you know sessions box set twenty years ago. Yep. So there's seven CDs of headquarters out there, but if you know, it, it brings up this bigger question of Apple and the Beatles as an entity. And the future of the Beatles, you know, Apple is still a board of directors that is Paul, Ringo, the John estate, the George estate. And Yoko has passed the reins on to, to, to Sean. Um, we've seen an awful lot in the last two or three years of estate management, people selling off their likenesses, their rights, their issues. And 
there is a deal, arguably, to be made, which I think would go into billions, to buy the Beatles catalogue and to buy the likenesses and to buy the publishing because the monkeys, Mickey Dolenz has no say over what happens, nor do the estates of Torque, Nesmith or Jones. And the monkeys, as a trademark and as an entity, is owned by Rhino Records and Warner and they can do whatever they want. They can they can scoop up whatever they want and they are lucky that they have an archivist like Andrew Sandoval to say, well, we're going to contextualise all of this and make it good. But, you know, if the Beatles... Um, Inc. were ever to sell up and sell the rights, then that's the future you would look forward to. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I kind of, for all my complaints about box sets and reissues, I kind of think it shouldn't happen. I think there's still a, uh, you know, a, a, a you know, I can understand the desire to curate and to have oversight, which other other instances don't, you know. But it's a, it's a, it's probably something that's coming down the tracks as to whether you know, the Beatles gets packaged up and sold up to one of these agencies. You know, what does the the future of any of these bands yeah. mean? You know, and you know, you kind of look at groups like KISS who are kind of trying to grapple with this. So there was recently a, a Paul Stanley interview where he says, well, I can see this band existing when I'm gone, you know, why not? And shouldn't we control it instead of somebody else doing a KISS tribute to say, no, this is currently KISS. These are big questions. I, I think these are big questions and I think these are questions that probably as fans of the band, you don't like to think of them as being mm. about you know, about it's all about business meetings, it's all about money it's all about yeah, making money but, yeah. but that's what it is about and we can kind of kid ourselves and I suppose that's the issue with Apple, you know, you kind of, from its earliest days it was supposed to be something different and it very quickly became you know, just a one more big money-making enterprise, and there's. But you, you, you naively cling to the idealism around this particular, and uh, you know, I don't think yeah. I, I don't think people would be particularly upset if the Rolling Stones did a big deal, sold everything off. I think people were a bit taken aback when Dylan did it because you think, well, it's Bob Dylan. You know, that's that's there's mm. there's, there's there's something. You associate him with integrity, you associate the Beatles with integrity, and it's not about money. And we're just kidding ourselves. It is about money. The aspect yeah. of it that I don't but like is the revisionism. The, the mm. let's, let's airbrush the Let It Be film uh, out of existence. Let's not bother with putting out uh, Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl. Let's standardize the canon with the, uh, the 2022 or the 2020 remixes. I can see that coming, and I, I, I don't care for that. But you want to go to the, the Bob Dylan Museum, right? I want to go to oh, the Bob absolutely. Dylan Museum. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, oh, jeez. That'd be good fun. Um, look, this is all getting very heavy uh, for, you know, for Christmas Day, which is supposed to be a day of fun and cheer. And, um, you know, we've been spending a lot of time on this Christmas Day talking about the Beatles. But I, I think we've been expecting a, a guest or a, a visitor who's got some questions in their sack. And I, I'm just wondering, are they ever going to uh, to knock on the door and see if they're around. Uh, oh my gosh, who could it be? Is it Paul? <laughs> Let's open the door and find out. Wait, who is this at the Christmas door? I wonder, can you make out who this wizened face is, Stephen? Through the snow, the frostbite. Yes. Is, that, is that frostbite, age spots? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Hi, everybody. It's Producer Edo. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Producer Edo. How are we all today? 
It, it's our annual Let Ado Near a Mic Festival, which is very nice. I've been trudging through the snow, as I always am, with uh, Wood for All. Oh, you should, great. Sorry, you should, sorry, it doesn't uh, I, I, sorry. I, I really don't, I really don't, I don't bring your wood in here, no. <laughs> and, and thank you for the presents. These Acast Byros are fantastic. Absolutely They're lovely. Wonderful. They're lovely. Great. great. Did you not open the presents? Uh, yeah. Uh, hang on, because I gave you real presents. <laughs> No, I did open the real presents. I opened the posters. They're fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. For yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They were great. Yeah, they we, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, on the other hand, didn't get any po- <laughs> oh, presents. Oh, well, this is your present. That's because this is this is your present, and also, even though it's Christmas Day right now, um, you know, there's still, you know, I'm a traditionist. I open my presents right before I go to bed. Like, you know, that's just a thing I do. So. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, no? And, uh, yeah, no, I, I get it. So my, my, your, your present to me is exposure, which is great, which is a really big. We, 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 yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah put exactly. The, put the wood and in the, the corner. corner. And as we're sitting in in Jason's um, sitting room as well, uh, my other presents you're having an epileptic seizure. Look at the lights going on in the background, Jason, as well, which is it's oh, lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, 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 it's very nice. festive. It's very festive. Is is it very a, festive? Is it a police a police car? Is it what? Yeah, it looks a bit it like is. a police car. Um, I do come bearing other gifts, though, that are yes. um, are very loyal uh, followers, fans, supporters, friends of the shows. Yeah, who have been uh, messaging us on Vitalex, fax, all manner of communique um, about things they want to know about from you two, either from from you two. From you two, uh, <laughs> yeah. We all, we all have a you two anecdote. I'm sure. Do we? We can get that to maybe next Christmas. I'm sure we all have. Maybe next Christmas. Don't know. No. I think Bob yeah. Bono has a, Bono has a monopoly this year on YouTube anecdotes. He does, and he must be exhausted on how he's been traveling so much. But one thing I will say about his, um, I'm, I don't really have an opinion on Bono or YouTube really, but the Surrender book audiobook is quite incredible. Oh, really? From an audio production point of view, it's not just him. I see. <laughs> <laughs> lovely production, lovely production, terrible, terrible, terrible content. Lovely production. Yeah, no, it's it's quite something. Just to listen to it is quite something, and he's he's quite the storyteller. Um, so anyway, that, that aside, um, so no, we do have some questions. Our annual kind of um, okay, we are we are ready for whatever people want to know. The first one is uh, how old is Stephen really? <laughs> no, no, everyone's sorry. You can. Have, I, I'll, I'll give you twenty minutes to think about that, Stephen, because I know you're it, in your dotage. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Perfectly happy to let people know that I am much older than Jason, and it's my birthday on the 29th of December. So people still Yay. have time. People still have time, and uh, yes. uh, yeah. So I'm I'm currently 58. I will be 59 on the 29th of December, and on the 1st of January, I will be entering the calendar year in which I enter my 61st year, as my sister will phone me up and tell me that on the day. So. Good Lord, that's. Um that's that's quite wild. I, I I've I've recently read how in South Korea they're changing what age everybody is. Do you know this story? Yes, they when, start from zero or something. That- you, when you're born, you're one, and then everybody ages a year uh, on the first of January. So if you're born on the first of December, you're one, and then when you're four weeks old, you're two. So uh, it's it's an official way that they've. Um, uh, like a traditional way they've been measuring age and now they're moving over into the normal standardised worldwide way of measuring age so when you said you're in the year of your 61st whatever that was I was like oh I see South Korean rules okay, it's South Korean play. rules yeah fine I'm young at heart no I'm, I'm not I'm not young at heart 
<laughs> moving on, moving on. Yes. Um, because it is getting close to your bedtime, Stephen. So moving it on. is, it is. Um, so what should the next box set be? And that is a question from Sean O'Leary on Facebook. I think it's uh, um, in the wake of Poseidon. Isn't that the next box set? <laughs> yeah. Does it have to be a Beatles box set? Uh, can we can we have a I don't know a complete Nesmith? Um, uh, it's going to be Rubber Soul. That's where my money's on. I think there was a chance to do something out of the blue this year and do like a Star Club or do a Please Please Me. But I think they're like, nope, we've done Revolver, and I would put even money on Rubber Soul before Christmas twenty twenty three. That's my be- guess anyway. Not my best guess. My best guess, I'm put, prepared to put all of the uh, Nothing Is Real petty cash on the fact that it will be Please Please Me. Ooh. Yeah, I guess it's going to be 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's my that's my, my guess. Okay, well, well, let's find out in 12 we'll months' see, time. We'll, let's meet back here in 12 months' time. Back in the log cabin in 12 months' time. As a sub-point to that question, is there a thing that can only be one box a year, are they kind of trying to push out as many as they can? Is there some reason they can only do one or two a year or one a year or one every two years? Or is there any kind of legal version behind that? No, I think I think they're trying to uh, give what the market can accept, you know. And more than one a year, I think, is, is a tough sell, really, if they're particularly if they're selling them for 120 odd quid, you know. It's a, it's a big ask. If they were pushing out, you know, Jethro Tull style forty quid four CD DVD box sets. You could you could rattle them out a little bit faster, because um, you could argue that the the, the wallet could take it. Um, so they kind of need to live just long enough for it to be a novelty. But the you know the funny part is they were putting out albums faster than you know they are now. Back then, it's going to take longer to get through the Beatles Super Deluxe Edition box sets than their original catalog did. I think I think it's probably too fast. One a year is too fast. I think they should be doing it every other year. Yeah, they I have, think so too. You know, they've got archive releases, hopefully, coming from the Lennon estate. McCartney's archive series seems to be on hold. Um, maybe there's going to be a George Harrison living in the material world box. It's too much at, mm. at too, high, too high a price. It's all too much. Well done. I, 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 got, I got that reference. I guess. <laughs> you and I get that reference. Um, which brings us on to a question from David Hines. Uh, which I think, which I believe is a good question. So what Beatles song would you play to someone who has never heard them before? Uh, um, I, I, I don't know. You probably have a quicker answer, Stephen. I'm having a think. A bit of Alan Partridge there. My favourite Beatles album is The Best of the Beatles. I think I would, I would play She Loves You. To me, She Loves You is the quintessential Beatlemania song. I always, in my head, I have to think which came first, She Loves You or I Want to Hold Your Hand, because I always think mm. She Loves You is a better song. Um, but it, it came before, obviously. But uh, it kicked off Beatlemania in the UK. It all started there. It's got the yeah, yeah, yeah refrain. And yeah, I was asked this question on a proper radio show recently. And that was, uh, that was, my, uh, that was my answer. And I'll stick with it. Yeah, it's probably a good answer, unless you want to, you know, totally throw a curveball and say, you know, my name, look up the number and then just walk away. That's my second choice. Yeah, there you go. So, so there's that one as well. So both of those. What do you think the mysterious, not a documentary project is that Peter Jackson is apparently working on with Ringo and Paul? And that's from Andy McKenzie on Facebook. Well, I think uh, I think it's the revolver box. That's kind of what this, he, he announced it as a secret and he's listed in the credits and Wingnut are listed in the credits of the revolver box. So I think that's what he was alluding to because he was saying that before the official revolver announcement and 
I'm going to guess by extension he's going to be involved in other reissues. His tech, he's only licensing to the Beatles at the minute, as I understand it. So, you know, we don't have, you know, there's there's a whole rake of music that could benefit from it. But I don't think there's anything more than, you know, Revolver and whatever comes next. I think that's what he was referring to. I don't know whether you'd agree with that, Stephen. I have to say I automatically thought, you know, it's a film project of something. The the legendary Paul McCartney's Shoes documentary mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. Uh, thing. The Beatlemania from the perspective of Paul's shoes. Um, <laughs> sort of from the ground up look at uh, Beatlemania. I don't know. Maybe, uh, it hadn't occurred to me, but uh, I just assumed he was licensing the tech and he wasn't sort of actively involved. But um, I'd, I'd like to s- sort of set him loose on Magical Mystery Tour. And uh, there's a lot of making of footage and uh, that he, I think he could probably do something with. Yeah. There's loads he could do. That's the long and the short of it, you know? And is, do you think there's a sense of um, the clock ticking inevitability from Ringo and uh, Paul at the moment to try and get some stuff done out before... What are, what are you saying, Ada? What what is this? What are you, what are you trying? What are you saying? What is this? What are you saying? Now okay. I know I, the way Ringo it's dies Christmas of hair is day. flawless. It's flawless. You would never, <laughs> yeah, never know. So somebody put on wonderful Christmas time. Cheer us all up. <laughs> or will they? Um, I I don't know. I think I think um, uh, time wise, it's you can't really set your clock by any of this stuff. You know, they've taken this long to get to get back and do loads of stuff. So. Um, I, I don't think they're going to rush anything particularly. Um, yes. No, and Ringo, uh, I agree with that. And uh, Ringo will outlive us all, I think. So. You heard it here first. Um, will Harris on uh, Twitter has asked, um, he's a long-time listener, first-time caller. So not technically true, um, but I mean. Um, <laughs> so t- what's he, the top and bottom the three best Beatles books of all time. That's quite. That's part A. Um, favorite non-record, non-book piece of Beatledom that you own, and why? And can we have a pod on the live of the BBC album? Well, so, so favorite non? Is that what you said? Favorite non? <laughs> favorite, favorite non. I have a great non joke, but I'll tell. I'll tell you. Yeah, maybe off off the mic. Um, a. Um, what was it? Non-record Beatles memorabilia thing that we own. Yeah, non favorite non-record non-book piece of Beatledom that you own and why. Oh, okay, I'll have to think about that one. Um, what was the other one? Best three Beatle books. Um, I don't know. We've we've kind of come across this for Dreaming the Beatles is a great book by Stephen Hayden. <laughs> then um, <laughs> and uh, well, two podcasts books. about best books, isn't there? Well, there was, yeah, yes. There was, but it was a long time ago. There have probably been more best books since then. I'm, one day I'm going to have to look up who Stephen Hayden is. Yes, he's very good. Um, and what, what's your other fave, Stephen, book-wise? Uh, well, the three books are, are Mark Lewison's book, obviously, mm. and then uh, the second part of Mark Lewison's book, if you have the, <laughs> if you have the long version. Uh, I think... Mark Lewison's book is peerless. I think uh, one one volume biography is Can't Buy Me Love by Jonathan Gould. Mm-hmm. And just completely off the wall because it's so completely insane. Uh, I've reread twice this year Derek Taylor's book as time goes by. because <laughs> It makes no sense and it's just very funny. And I just love, I just want to be Derek Taylor. That's fair enough. I can't think of a non-Beatles bit of memorabilia. You're, I, um, you're, you're not a you're not really a memorabilia man. 
I'm not a memorabilia man, but I, d- I don't think you know this, Stephen. I have a Zippo lighter with the Apple logo on it from the late 60s. Wow. There, there, you, there go. you go. There you go. Well, I, nice I, can, I, can I mention my most, uh, it's maybe not my favourite because I've only just acquired it, but I was given for Christmas a 1963 I'm a Beatles fan badge, uh, one of the original kind of American that says Ringo, quote, rings star. So they must have thought that was his, like, Ringo rings. <laughs> I don't know. That's very good. Uh, so at the minute, thank you, Robert. That's my uh, favourite piece of me- Beatle memorabilia. And right. probably my, my, my favourite none is probably Julie Andrews and Sound of Music. I, 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 I <laughs> Great none. Great none. Um, yeah, Great I none. have the Hunter Davies book here somewhere, which I got, remember, a couple of years ago, the first edition? Yes, yes. Yeah. In my just, library just, somewhere. Just oh, the one. Okay. Well, you're sitting at a little, just for, so that people can see, you're sitting at a little desk in a massive room lined with shelves and a little tiny <laughs> pair of opera, opera glasses so that you can see the books on the top shelf. It's very impressive. And I'm counting my Climbing money. Every time ladder. you start talking, I'm counting my money. It's all, it's, it's quite the same. Well, it's like Scrooge, in a log Scrooge cabin? I think we're all in a log cabin. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, we're, all, we're all together. Sorry, we're in the yeah, same room. We're all together, together in a log cabin. The same room. It's, it's, all, it's, just different, it's all just different parts of the same. We all came in through different doors and it's just... Different wings of the mansion. Different wings of the... Michelle, who's a big follower on Twitter, has asked what's the most interesting thing you each took away from Mark Lucian's Evolver 62? I didn't take anything. It was a lie and I took nothing. <laughs> took some badges. I, I, I took some badges, yeah. But they were free. I don't um, need those stinking badges. <laughs> it was very good. Um, what did I take away? Um, I liked the story about um, Paul nearly changing his name. I liked that story. Um, yes, that and, was a good story. And, and what, you know, what it meant to that, you know, he kept the name McCartney, that it kind of did make a significant difference. I liked that story. Yeah. That was a good story. I liked the story where he was in London, wandering around with his sort of girlfriend, uh, writing, I saw her standing there in, uh, in his head, basically, as they were sort yeah. of walking around London. That was a nice story. David Plum- Plumbly? No, Plumbly? You're just making stuff up now. Uh, which is the best alternative take of a Beatles track? I very much like the anthology to Good Morning, Good Morning, which is great, which is kind of stripped of everything. That's a good one. And from the Revolver box, I very much like the um, Gotta Get You Into My Life with just the fuzz tone guitar. Um, I, I, yeah, it's kind of sparse, but I like it a lot. Okay, my favourite alternate take is the acoustic version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Oh, yeah, good and uh, off the revolver box set, don't know. <laughs> <Not that. laughs> I don't know. Maybe I. I mean, in the, uh, I quite like the new. The only thing I like in the new mix is uh, uh, here, there, and everywhere. I like that as a as the new mix. It's not quite an alternative take, but uh, okay. Andrew Bimson. What are these names? They're honestly, I think they're real. Andrew Bimson. I, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping for uh, a return of Lester Nidge. Later <laughs> Lester <in> the, Nidge. <laughs> Uh, Annette Curtin asks, um, <laughs> Andrew Bimson, Bimson, sorry, will sometime, in New, York, sorry, sometime in New York City box set be released? Someone should, I, um, someone yeah. should do a podcast about that. I, I don't know. We, we, we I, should do a podcast about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, my, well, uh, we did mention this uh, earlier on when we were chatting about 2022 when you were locked out in the garden, Edo. And uh, yeah, I think it's... Um, the, the, we will see what happens. Well, if they skip it and then they put out a Mind Games box set because that's going to be 50 years old next year, 
then we'll all feel kind of shortchanged. If the whole project has ground to a halt, then you'll think, well, it just ground to a halt. But um, yeah, I think we'll wait and see. I think there was definitely something planned and there was definitely something unplanned. Yeah, I fear it will never see the light of day. Yeah. Unless, unless Sean can take this to some somewhere else, some other label, or he just decides to throw it up on some torrent site or cast it into the ether. Yeah. Which he should, if they're going to play silly buggers with it. Luke Tucker 84 on Twitter has asked, with the new Beatles films going to Disney, do you think we'll see all the Beatles films on there eventually? Not necessarily, because they're owned by different people. Um, so Hard Day's Night is on Netflix, in my neck of the woods anyway. Yep. Um, so they don't have control of everything. United Artists have Hard Day's Night and Help, and they have some control over um, Yellow Submarine, but not all of it, uh, as far as I understand. The thing that I would love to see return to streaming in some kind of polished form is Anthology. Anthology needs... a. Uh, a bit of love and a bit of attention. It's a great artifact. And it's kind of now a, you know, a historical piece itself, even though it was designed to, you know, tell the story of another historical piece. So I, they're never all going to all be in the one place at the same time because they're not all owned by the same people, as I understand it. One day we'll all be owned by Disney Plus. I think that's the... Yeah. Yeah, well, the licensing rules are pretty... They're owned territorially as well, so it could be... Mm different licensing in Australia that could be in Germany that could be in Ireland you know, and they change yeah, all the yeah. time the license for 11 months and 30 days or whatever it is in the, the TV film world as well so it kind of changes quite a bit um, uh, oh here's your Lester Nidge hey Lester Nidge <laughs> sorry what's, what's, what's the question well, what's it like being famous <laughs> Um, it's, uh, yeah, I've never been stopped by anyone. Stephen has been stopped you have, by you, But you have been stopped by people when you're wearing your Nothing Is Real hat. I've <laughs> been stopped by the, People run the away guards. when you wear your... Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I'm still the same down-to-earth um, uh, person that I was before I ever did a podcast. I was never down-to-earth, and I'm still <laughs> the same not down-to-earth person as I was. Uh, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It is weird because, you know, at the Get Back film, a small queue formed to say hello. It was very, it was very, it was very strange. And occasionally at Gates, you, you were, you were, we were approached by a man in yeah. Glasgow, and then we went. Oh, to that's the, true. Sorry, that's we, right. Then yes, we went we to see. Then we went to see Bob Dylan, and another man approached us, in uh, and said hello. Um, yeah, so you're famous. You were spotted. Yeah, no, that is true. I'd forgotten about um, yeah. Glasgow. It's like it's like chap's name, but it was very nice. It's very, they only everyone's very nice. Everyone is very nice, and they only everyone's recognize right. us when we're standing beside each other. It's like uh, Harry and Meghan. You know, we're more <laughs> more uh, remarked upon when we stand beside each other. And people were taking photographs at the live event in the Workmen's Club last that last year was it? Yep. Yeah, yep. at the end of twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone did take our photograph, uh, or got his carer to take our photograph. I think. The, uh... <laughs> and you had your picture in the Daily. Is it the Mirror? Was it the Daily Mirror? Well, that was something uh, else, and and 
no, 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 no. That was that was that was not me. <laughs> That's my court case. Um, it's it's yeah. very pleasant to pop up. We on, we on we had a double things. page, yeah. a centerfold, if you like, in the uh, Irish Mirror. Yeah. Not everybody can say that. Yeah, that's true. Um, will we go one more? One more. One more. What is your favourite song written by a Beatle but not recorded by them? And that's from Stephen J. Baker on Twitter. It's got to be Rack, so my, get, rack my Brain by... Rack My Brain. Well, I'm <laughs> trying to rack my brain. Um, uh, Wings of a Nightingale. That's a great song. That is a... Um, we, you see, we agree on something every now and that. again. So, so we it's agree a song... On Paul wrote in 1984 for a Neverly Brothers album, a reunion album, and it's a perfect. Um, yeah, it's it, it's not it's not a pastiche, but it's it's just a perfect song for the Everly Brothers. And there's a leak of his bootleg of his demo recording, and you can kind of hear that he's you know patching in their harmonies in the in the in the demo recording. But it's a it's an Everly Brothers song from 1984, Wings of a Nightingale. It's a great song. I agree with that completely. Hooray! Hooray, you agree on something. <clears throat> and again, while I was at Gathering Firewood, um, I did miss your little um, thing about albums of the year. So I, I don't really want to get into an album of the year thing, but I do want to give some honourable mentions to something. I forgot to mention album of the year. Uh, the Suede album is excellent, Auto Fiction. That's all. Sorry, as you are. One of my one of my honourable mentions is poor old Wilco Johnson, who died recently. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did a great album in 2014 called, um, with, uh, sorry, Roger Daltrey, and most of it called Going Back Home. Which is kind of a, some of the Doctor Feelgood stuff, some mm. covers, some reworking stuff. So, and he made that album because that's when he thought he was going to die. He was given terminal cancer then, so he said, "I'm going to make an yeah. album." And he did that, and then he lived on for another ten years. Then died sadly a couple of months ago. So, if anyone hasn't heard that album, it's a really good album. So it's you know one of his better ones of, of recent years. Um, Pearl Terry Hall passed away the other day. Yeah, that's the other day. Yep. Um, another yeah. honorable mention, some of the great stuff he did with um, the specials on Funboy 3. Um, some really good stuff on there as well. Um, another honorable mention thing is, this is for Stephen only, is Bruce Springsteen's new album called Only the Strong Survive. And I know you're a big fan, Stephen. I know you're a big fan. So. I, 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 I was very taken aback by the fact that He's um you know he's releasing an album of classic soul covers and you're like oh that's interesting oh and he's doing Night Shift by the Commodores from 1985 and I was like oh that's a bit weird and I thought um, a, a Bruce Springsteen album of songs that were hits while born in the USA was a hit would have been a better concept. Uh yeah I mean he did say that he picked those songs there's some kind of eclectic songs in there it's it's more about his voice that's his kind of thought process beyond it but he the interesting thing he did he did a two or three hour show with Howard Stern around the publicity of that where he could have sat in Howard Stern's studio in New York just playing songs on the piano and talking about his process of writing songs it's quite amazing it's quite amazing it's really Mm. Uh, I think it's probably on YouTube now. There's bits and pieces of it because it's on Sirius FM in the States, which we don't have here. Um, but there are bits and pieces on YouTube, which are quite something to see. Um, but there I'll, some... uh, I'll take your word for that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, that's good, good stuff out there. Um, Afghan Wigs came back this year with a new album as well. How Do You Burn? Oh, yeah. Right there. I'm big fans there as well. Um, and there's been loads of albums out this year. All some good stuff. And, Beyonce, and Steve. No, Beyonce did, is Beyonce. Did the Beatles appear on any of these albums? Uh, well, yeah, the, are there any the only on any one influence on it, and I said this ages ago uh, to both of you, I'm sure, was on Eddie Vedder's. Um, oh yes, we should have we should have mentioned that already. But sorry, so the album's called he, Earthling. The one of the songs called Invincible, and then the song is Mrs. Mills. 
that that was that that influence that song influence on that on his album. It's pretty good. It's a fantastic song, and it features Ringo Starr. We forgot to mention that earlier, Stephen. That at uh, uh, twenty twenty two, recording with Ringo Starr. I knew that this long discursive talk about something would come back to the. I knew there had to be a point to it. So that's that's very good. It's all connected. It's, it's, it's all connected. It's a great song, Mrs. Mills. It recounts the story of Mrs. Mills and the famous Mrs. Mills piano and how does it, the Beatles does it, are recording on it and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it, and it's a lovely Beatly tune. Does it feature the piano? It does. It, does it feature the actual piano? It features a sound-alike piano. I don't know if it's the actual piano. I think I the idea was that it's the actual piano. Oh, well, it, wonderful. It, and is, is this the piano that you played? I know you don't yes, like to, I, I know, yeah, I know I don't you don't like to talk about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a good song. You played Bowie in my house years ago, Jason. Years that? ago. I, I, that's right. I hammered Bowie out on the piano. Um, life on Mars. My very perfunctory Life on Mars. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll save that for another podcast. Def Leppard had a new album out this year as well. Okay, we're gonna. No, I'm gonna. This I'm is gonna this is taking a this is this taking conversation a, an right unfortunate now. turn. No, <laughs> it's a terrible album. It's not that bad, really. But I just, I just, I thought the other day, I was like, "That's mad, you know." But there's loads of albums out. That didn't there's loads of albums. That was my only kind of kind of you know um, world. And uh, Edo, any podcasts that we need to know about? I don't know if uh, you've ever heard of the BBC. Have you heard of the BBC? Yeah, I have. They're great. Yeah, very good. They do. Huge excellent. amount of public service broadcasting and... Um, Ex- excellent Lanyards. Excellent Lanyards, which, which is the name of my 2008 indie group. Um, but <laughs> excellent Lanyards. And uh, yes, there's... Well, yes, I think... Well, I, I wasn't trying to get you to mention Give the Beatles Back to the Irish on BBC Sounds for 30 minutes. Well, it'll parts. be the first time you haven't been trying to get... In, in yeah, just shoehorn that in. In my in my part of my day job is I'm I work in TV and film. I'm very very well known. I'm I'm famous <laughs> in different work, but we, we don't need to talk about that now. Um, but yes. I do I do a lot of podcasts, and I'm doing a podcast moment called the Odds Pod. If anyone is into graphic novels and comics, uh, featuring two guys, Ben Hennessy and Dave Hendrick, who write comics and write graphic novels, and I worked for DC, Marvel, and you can think of. So it's available wherever hmm. you get your podcast. As you can see from my background and, and my side of my of our room here, all of yes. my um, mm-hmm. comic stuff and so on. So it's a really it's a great show. It's really good. So, um, so basically, you're seeing someone else, and that's that's fine. We're fine with that. We're fine. That's fine. fine. That's, that's fine. Okay. That's, that's fine. Okay. What 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 you're saying? Fine. You can yeah. see other podcasts. That's yeah. fine. That's and, I, and I know Ralph is, and he's he's very tender, Ralph. Is, so I'm not gonna. I won't, I won't. Well, you know, it's 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 an open marriage. Well, Ralph, uh, Ralph, Ralph is. <laughs> no, no, Ralph is Ralph. Ralph is BBC famous. You know, your library radiator famous. You know. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's anyway, and that's the odd pod if people missed the odd pod. Odd pod. Odd pod. Odd pod. Odd pod. couple would be a better name for that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Somebody must have got the pod couple somewhere. Um you 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 did a podcast this year, Stephen. You did the the Dylan podcast. We should give that a shout out as well. I did do the Dylan podcast. That was nerve-wracking. That was, that's, that's like a, it's like a proper podcast. It was very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Is it Rolling Bob is what we're talking about? Yes, yes, um, yes. And I, I felt wholly out of my depth and wholly inadequate. And uh, I'd like to apologise again for all of the wrong information that I gave on that podcast. I apologised. Oh, yeah. I apologise. That's okay. I think, I think I thought it was very good. I thoroughly recommend it. 
There's another podcast, by the way. Um, oh. When I was in at the podcast festival in London, I don't I can't remember when that was now. When was that? It was when the Queen died. Yeah, yeah, it was great timing for me. Great it timing was, for me. Oh. On there that day, and it was a very, very long weekend. Anyway, but I met Luke Thompson, who's a very, very nice man, who was got a podcast um, called Luke's English Podcast, where he talks a lot about the Beatles on that show as well. And uh, it's a really great show. So check out Luke Thompson's English Podcast as well. It's really good. Hmm. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. A lot of, a a lot podcast of podcasts. Did. Seems to be a lot of other podcasts, and I'm, yeah. I'm not comfortable with this at all. I'm, no, I'm getting no, no. very... Very uneasy. No, no. Um, okay, I think that's fair enough. What, 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 any other media we need to cover this year? Well, we we uh, we appeared. Well, just to say, we appeared in the Sunday Times. We appeared in the Irish Mirror. We appeared in the Guardian. So yeah, you know. I met Pete Best. That was funny. You met Pete Best. Yeah, I met Pete I, Best. I, I, Very nice man. I I was at the, the uh, Belfast Media Festival. Oh yeah, not as good as Pete it's Best, a, but you know, it's all go. It's all it's go. All go. It's, it's, it's all been go. a busy twenty twenty two. I can't complain. Well, you could you you could complain, but who would listen? Well, I do complain. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that I think we've we've covered everything we need to cover, have we? Yeah, yeah. I met somebody at the war on drugs. It's only come back to you now. Who who, who was uh, not just come back to you that I was there. I remember the bit they being there, um, but who was a fan of of nothing else. I can't remember who that was now. That's exactly the type of fan we like. That that's that's um, yeah. Was everyone on drugs? Anyway. Nameless fans and amnesiac producers. That's us. <laughs> By the way, what was your gig of the year? We've already discussed our gigs of the year. What's, what was your gig? Well, of clearly the year? War on Drugs. Yeah. No, War on Drugs was pretty good. One, one, my, I, I was into I had a few very bad gigs this year, but the best gig I was at, I can't, I don't know if they were at, either of you wrote this, was Pavement, played in Vicar Street. Ah, my... My 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 wife was at pavement. I was supposed to go, but didn't go in the end at the last minute. And um, she said it was sensational. It was very good. And when mm. I was watching Steve Malcolmus have at it, um, and he's fifty six or seven or something like that, and doesn't look it now. He's, he's, a, really he's a young man, probably. He's a, <laughs> it's a good age. <laughs> a good age. A good age. He's a, he's a good fifty seven. Yeah, that's Korean calendar age. Um, he, is, yeah, it was great. They played everything you wanted to play and a couple of odd tunes here and there, but they were just brilliant. They played two nights. I went on the Thursday night, if I remember correctly, and um, and it was it was brilliant. Really, really, really enjoyed it. it was a good mate of mine, as gang was one friend of mine who came with us, um, was just like mesmerized. He wanted to see them live his whole life, and he was just mesmerized. But it was great. That was my definitely by a long stretch. The best gig that's a good shout for the year. A good shout. Well, folks, is it time to uh, is it time to you know put on our socks and just sit by the fire and drink some cognacs for a few hours and open the presents? Know, open the presents just before we go to bed. Just, just before, right before we go, we to, go bed. to bed. Yep. Uh, after the turkey sandwich and then presents and then straight to bed. Bring the last present it's to bed. It's usually tw- the tradition. Twenty four hour garage still open? Do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Do you all like cellophane flowers? Um, on the, the Def Leppard album and just sit around. And just yeah, just chill to Def Leppard. That's uh, that's. I did yeah, a documentary with them this year. Remember, that's another thing I did this year. I forgot about that. What <laughs> you did? What, what was that? Sorry, I missed that. It's like you've woken up in your bath chair. What? I did Def Leppard are here. I've been <laughs> all day. That's uh, that's what I've been doing. Remember, I remember see. I was working on a documentary with uh, with Def Leppard this year. That, remember that? That, that? I do remember yeah, that. You, yes, you, th- you think that would that would be more? You know. Up front and centre. 
Things I but did no, this year. N- nothing is real. Is is really the, the it's where the where the where the action lies. It was for the Stars Network in the US, I think. <laughs> oh well, oh, oh, <laughs> oh well, oh. there you go. All right, okay, fine. Stars Network. <laughs> we 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 worked for the BBC. So. Look, it's been it's it's been a long year. I'm surprised of everything that has happened this year. I, uh, you know, I, I, I broke my arm at the start of the year and I still can't believe it's the same year. Um, it's all very strange. But before we leave you all uh, on this lovely Christmas day and go back to our roaring fire, we did want to give you all a, a present, a, you know, for the day that's in it. Is that fair enough, Stephen? I think that's fair enough. So what we'll be doing is starting the new season, season seven of Nothing Is Real, on the 28th of December with a small taster of what is about to come. And then the full season starts on the 4th of January. Yeah, so episode proper. One comes on the 4th of January, Wednesday the 4th of January, and it's about time. We're not going to tell you what it's about. It's just it's about, about time it's about that the it Beatles. happened. It's about the Beatles. We can it's say about that. the Beatles. It's, we're still playing our cards close to our chest. But new year, new season, it is happening. And that is our Christmas gift to everybody. Happy Christmas, one and all. We're happy, happy Christmas. Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Um, but I, I think now we can, with that bonus, wonderful news, we can wrap it up properly. So why don't we just say we're available in all the usual places, the website, nothingisrealpod.com, Twitter at BeatlesPod, uh, the Nothing Is Real Facebook group, uh, the Mastodon that nobody goes to, um, the Instagram uh, that William runs, all the fun TikToks, everything is there uh, for the whole world. And uh, we want to thank you all for your continued support throughout the year, your engagement with us wherever you find us and with each other, which is a lovely thing to see. Um, But thank you very much. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Season 7. It is happening. Uh, But for now, my name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. My name is Adrian Carty. (gasps) He's related. He's related. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, And this has been Nothing Is Real. Happy Christmas. Thanks for listening. Bye. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.